and welcome to Xbox World's Strongcast number 11. It's uh, Friday the 23rd of March and I'm Xbox World Associate Editor Andy Hartup and I am joined today by Mike Gapper and uh, Matthew Castle. Hello. The regular Strongcast team is back. Reunited. The regular Strongcast format is back. We are going to talk all the news, then we're going to talk about what we've been playing and then we're going to answer your reader questions. So let's kick off with the news. Uh, quite a few things in the news. One thing we're not going to talk about yet is the Mass Effect ending saga. Because Matthew Castle hasn't finished Mass Effect. Uh, sorry, I'm really slow. And he's he's told us about 50 times that he doesn't want any spoilers in this podcast. I know a lot of you on the Facebook group have, and the Twitter, you've said, look, we don't want any Mass Effect spoilers. It's a little bit early for that couple of weeks time we'll do another podcast we will flag it up and we will do a proper mass effect drop discussion. some spoiler bombs and we will drop some huge spoiler bombs in that one so for now we're going to kick things off by talking about ninja gaiden 3 now we wouldn't normally necessarily talk about ninja gaiden 3 it's not huge but uh the score has caused slight controversy across the internet uh i hear that game's no good Online. You hear, you hear that's, what that I, that's what I heard online. I heard mm. it was three out of ten bad from from some publications. Yeah, uh, some publications have printed One of reviews that are three out of ten. Yeah, yeah. One is of it? our own has as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the the split oddly seems to be that uh, a lot of American sites do not like it. A lot of American journalists, but the rest of the world saying, "Hey, what's the big deal? It's actually a pretty good game." The rest of the world, or you? Is that what you're saying? No, no. The rest of the world. You're not the, you're not the only one who likes it. Well, I'm not the only European games journalist in the world. All right, well. But no, scores have ranged from uh, eights to threes, which is really unusual for a game. I haven't seen a split like that since... Since about two weeks ago when Ubisoft released uh, I'm Alive. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah except, except, except everyone who gave that a good score was just wrong, because I'm Alive is rubbish. So, um, you know, there's actually some debate with Ninja Gaiden. That, no debate. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think the, the problem is they've made Ninja Gaiden accessible and some people don't like that, some people do like it, and that is at the heart of the debate. Um, a lot of people have wheeled out that, that lovely games journalism term, dumbing down. Um, <laughs> said, yeah, Ninja Gaiden's dumbed down, it's rubbish, I hate it, three out of ten. And a, a number of reviews have gotten really churlish about it and said, oh, it looks rubbish as well. It even looks crap and it sounds crap and it's a crap game. Um, they're, they're, they're wrong, obviously. Um, <laughs> I disagree. I've reviewed it for Xbox World. You can read what I think of it in the forthcoming issue. Or if you can't wait, the review is actually on CVG. should probably say that. I saw you fighting a T-Rex. Yeah. That can't be bad. No, it was pretty good, actually. I chopped its legs away. You chopped a T-Rex's legs off? Yeah. Not many people can say that. No. No, they can't. I think, I think the problem is um, Ninja Gaiden needed to uh, become more accessible or it was going to die mm. because it was insanely hardcore before. And although that pleased a very small amount of people, um, Unfortunately, it led to the, only that small amount of people actually buying it. Mm. So uh, I think the the the, uh, the reviewers in America who don't like it are probably within that minority and say, well, I don't like it anymore because they've dumbed it down. But isn't the satisfaction with a game like that, overcoming that kind of huge trial, it's that sort of adrenaline rush, the sort of jubilation of 
managing to master something so tight and, and tricky. I mean, is that... There is an element of that, but in the old Ninja Guidance, uh, it was more about sort of staying alive. Right. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it was an awful lot of fun staying alive, but like, <laughs> you know, you, you ground through it. And yeah, there was a huge sense of achievement when you, when you beat mm. some, of the, some of the bosses and that, and, and even like a regular Most fight. Most of it wasn't achievement, though. It was just relief. Yeah. And that's the mm. problem. There's a big difference between like a sense of victory, sense of success sense of achievement and a sense of just relief that you're finally done with that thing and you can just get on to the, the, the next thing. The Ninja Gaiden was, it was, you know, was a real hard game, but there have been hard games before. The trick is, is how you handle the difficulty. Do you introduce it slowly? Do you build the player up? And do you help them cope with the difficulty? Or do you just, give, you just cut them a great big slice of difficulty, slam it on their plate and go, there you go, eat that, which is what Ninja Gaiden always did. Uh, and, you know, that was how games always used to be. You go back to the 80s, that's the way games used to be back then as well. You know, you, mm. you start a game and, well, they, 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 slap, they slap you in the first couple of screens with the hardest stuff you, they could, Mega Man style, and you either handled it or you didn't. There's no room for that in the modern world. No one's going to buy that. And if you want there to be a Ninja Gaiden 4, then you need Ninja Gaiden 3 to be played by people. Like Ninja Gaiden 2 is a real hard game, not quite as hard as the first one. Still pretty hard. This new one, mortal hands will have a chance of finishing it. <laughs> but if you're really good at the game, then you can finish it well. And mm. that's the difference. Like now you can you'll be able to play the game mm. and make it look good. And that's really what modern action games should be about. You you should be able to finish Bayonetta if you're just thwacking the buttons. You should be able to set it to the casual, easy automatic mode yeah. and just blaze through the game and have a good time just thwacking on buttons. And f if you're not that guy, if you wanna finesse it and show a bit of skill then that's okay because that space is there. They're giving you room for that. As long mm. as the new Ninja Gaiden does that, then that's okay. And does it? Yeah, yeah, well, it does I haven't that. played it, so... To, to qualify, though, new Ninja Gaiden is no Bayonetta. Yeah. It's just no Bayonetta. Yeah. But, but what is, right? Well, exactly, what is. Um, now, I think uh, one, one, pe one set of people who really managed to do difficulty well are the, uh, the guys who made Dark Souls from. You're yeah. a huge fan of Dark Souls, aren't you? It's the best game ever made. Yeah, I mean, what makes what what what's the big difference between like between Dark Souls and say the original Ninja Gaiden's in terms of they're both viewed as very very difficult games, but how does Dark Souls do it better than the original Ninja Gaiden's? Well, you know, the thing with uh, Dark Souls is it does kind of do the Ninja Gaiden thing of just like giving you something really hard right up front. But what it does is in the very first uh, Asylum level that it sets you up in, it tells you there and then that. You're gonna. I need to not underestimate anything that comes at you. Here's here's the rule: don't underestimate anyone. There's a guy who comes up to you in a pair of pants, so you know, and and you're like, oh, I've got I've got this guy, but if you haven't got your shield up, he's gonna he's gonna hurt you. So that first guy teaches you, you know, like, okay, I I know I'm I'm I, I'm in danger here. I'm in mm. danger all the time. It sets you up with areas of safety, just frequently enough that. You're always pushing towards something that is right at you know just at the tip you know the very tip of your arm's reach. You can see it, you you can hope for it, and you know it's coming soon. So you're always pushing to get to that next bit. And maybe you get a set, maybe you get put back, maybe you take a setback, but every setback you feel like you've improved. You you mm. understand the game better. You feel like you know stuff better. And I'm not someone who even likes hard games because I I kind of play games to feel like. 
you know, an unstoppable badass. You know, I'm not mm. the guy who plays Halo on Legendary because it's not fun for me that yeah. way. But so Dark Souls really drew me in because it's got this, this incredible pacing, this incredible thing where you 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 start off in a very fairly safe place, the safest bonfire in the game, pretty much. And you can go in a bunch of different directions from there, but the safest route is probably through the Undead Burg. And in actual fact, like that bonfire is about a three-minute walk from your starting location. And now I can get to it in three minutes, even with a level one character. Mm. The very first time I took and played that game, it took me about two hours to get there. <laughs> Just to get underestimating guys, getting surprised, getting jumped. But after a while, you start to realize, like, oh, you know, I, I, I can't underestimate anything. I, I have to have my wits about me all the time. You can't play Dark Souls while having a conversation. Mm. You can't play Dark Souls while getting ready to go and have your dinner. You have to give it all of your time. And what gives you back is this experience that literally can't be topped. It can't be parallel because it's drawn you in more than any other game. And I think that's what people liked about the old Ninja Guidance. Mm. It always it always gave you all of this difficulty, but it always put the next big thing within your reach, you know? And, and, but it's not it's not done in a very modern way in those old... Mm. In, it's in, in 2004, I think, 2005? In, in yeah. Ninja Gaiden from back then. Because... Your reward is kind of maybe the next powerful weapon, and it, that could be many hours away. The reward could be, you know, beating the next boss. Well, the bosses in Ninja Gaiden are really, really frustrating, though. They're the kind of bosses that you sort of wear down with a war of attrition, whereas Dark Souls bosses are bosses you sort of think your way around and mm. so on. The difficulty, the way Ninja Gaiden ser- serves it up is kind of... I'm kind of waffling now, but the way it serves <laughs> it up, it feels... Well, it's not that funny, but the way it serves it up is kind of like... A lot crueler. Yeah, it's a lot crueler. You're always given up, like ample time to prepare and be, be good in Dark Souls. Mm. In Ninja Gaiden, if you're not good when you start, yeah, you're gonna struggle to get good. Yeah, exactly. And no, yeah, I think I think you've you've hit on it exactly. I think, you know, what 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 they have done by making it more accessible is they have removed that. Um, they have removed that satisfaction you get from overcoming impossible odds. I don't doubt that for a second. But I don't necessarily think that that was what that that makes for a good game. You know, you don't you don't say, oh, really struggled to beat that level. You know, I hated it all the way through. I struggled <laughs> through it, but now I've done it. Brilliant. You don't think, well, I'm glad I spent my fifty quid on that. Mm. You know, you, you, Ninja Gaiden has has become a game where you play it because you want to be a badass. You can turn up the difficulty. You know, you can turn up the difficulty right up. And you will still, you know, the game will kick your ass. Not mm. quite as hard as it used to do, but it will still do that. But if, if you want to, you know, if you're a normal person and you just want to carve some men up as a ninja, you know, it lets you do that. And it lets you do that in a much more spectacular way. Yeah, Dark Souls never does that and neither does the original Ninja Gaiden. Like, mm. you know, you, you want, if, you're, if you're not good within those first few rooms of that Ninja Fortress, then you're going to be starting back at the start pretty often. Oh, I remember the first, the first Ninja Gaiden, which... Are, Replayed recently is Sigma Plus on Vita. That bloody hole, that hole yeah. in that first level where you, you just, it's so you easy. You just keep just... falling down it. Yeah. And you have to chop at the bats on your way out. Yeah. And then you go back up and you fall down. And they've the all respawned. They all respawned. Every single yeah. time you go back, they respawn. So every time you go down that hole, they respawn. See, that's when I'm talking about that cruel thing. Mm. That's, not a, that's not a modern thing at all. No. Like Dark Souls get, like, lays out the boundaries of the world. Mm. It says if you die, everything's coming back. If you sit at a bonfire, everything's coming back. So, you know, you, can sort of, you play the odds from there on. Mm. But Ninja Gaiden says, okay, you've cleared this room, well done. 
But then you fall in the hole and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. What are we going to do now? We're going to respawn all of the... Didn't see that hole, did you, eh? Yeah, you see, he plays a lot of dirty tricks like that. But that's the way Itagaki likes making games. He likes playing tricks on people. Mm. He likes likes being mean to people. He likes being mean so much that when he released an easier version of the game, an easier mode, he called it Ninja Dog and he dressed you in pink in the game. He Mm. gave you like a pink ribbon on your outfit. Do you know, uh, he made Dead or Alive 4 as well. And, um, Which is funny because Dead or Alive is actually like my first fighting game. You know, it's it's a very simple yeah. 3D fighter. It is it is a lot easier and ironically more accessible mm. than, than most fighting games. But in that, you, you you got achievements. I can't remember. I think there were zero points. You got achievements yeah. that were zero points for losing three matches in a row online. So you're branded forever. So you are branded forever. You get no points for it, and you just get this little achievement that calls you an idiot. That's good. That's brilliant. Is brilliant. I, I, I think, you know, Itagaki, yeah, he is a bastard to people. Yeah. <laughs> but but no one else, you know, he, he does it with style, doesn't he? Yeah. He does it with, with proper style. There's, a, there's an upcoming, uh, they're making Tekken for Wii U, and mm. one of the uh, tablet con- uses that they've been talking about is that when you lose a match online, the other person can graffiti on your fighter's body, and you'll have to carry <laughs> that onto the next battle. So, like, you literally draw, like a, clever. You draw like a moustache onto his f- face and, like, write loser on his forehead, and then he, he has to, you know, depending on how bad you beat him or whatever, but all you're going to get from that is a, is a load of cocks. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But it's just the whole. But but you know you'll know not to not to make that mistake, are you? Forevermore, there'll be one. There'll be my character. Well, literally, there won't be an inch of his body not covered in cartoon cocks from, from my many many losses. Everyone be like, here comes that cock guy. I really like that idea. That's such a that's such a fun it's use for yeah, the tablet. Yeah, yeah. Such yeah. a fun use that's for it. That's a laugh. Interesting. And another difficulty related thing. Uh, a game which handled it quite interesting uh, in an interesting way recently was on 3DS was Kid mm-hmm. Icarus, mm-hmm. which actually has uh, like an intensity system where you set the intensity of the level and it goes from 0.0 up to 9.0. So yeah. it's actually and each decimal point changes, you know, adds more level, more mm. enemies to the level, makes their uh, increases the damage of their hits or whatever. Sure, yeah. So it's actually 90 difficulty modes that game's got, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> but the idea is that, you know, the standard is t- is is two basically. Mm. And every um, point you go over, you have to gamble your in-game currency against it. So if you want to buy in to a difficult level attempt, mm. and then if you die, oh, that's interesting, yeah. boom, you don't have it anymore. And it kind of regulates you, so it kind of keeps you in your place, so that you never have enough money to kind of go beyond where you can. But when you start raking in the big bucks, then you can buy into like a proper level level run at sort of level eight or whatever, uh, which is quite, you know, it's an inter- yeah. definitely an interesting way of doing it. I, th- I think more games should do that. And, um, you know, the sort of, you know, you, you risk it and play it by playing it on a harder difficulty because right now all you get for a harder difficulty is maybe a, a different achievement or, mm. you know, whatever. I think um, I think that that is a really interesting idea. And another thing that we were talking about that we, you know, we'd quite like to see in the next Xbox is sort of um, skill-ranked achievements. Yeah, there's a website, That's a really the website trueachievements.com will look at how many people have earned certain achievements and then weight the value of the achievement. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so basically by on, based on the percentage of people who played the game right. and the percentage of people who played the game who didn't get their certain achievements, mm. that's what will weight the value of them. So maybe like Microsoft points value, the Microsoft uh, uh, gamer points value rather of a certain achievement is 10 points in the game. Mm. But they go, well, you know what? Only 4% of the people who ever played this game managed to get this achievement, so it's actually probably worth about 50 or 60. Right. There's one achievement in Fight Night... Uh, the champion, which is worth it's by their money four thousand gamer points, really, because mm. no one, no one anywhere has got it. Mm. 
we lo- I, reckon, I reckon that'd be great for the new Xbox. Yeah, if you cool. see, you, you can see, you can see your own point, yeah. you can see your own achievement point value, but then you can click a button and see like the way your achievements stack mm. up against other people's achievements, yeah, like a, a true, <laughs> that's a that's, true skill market. That's yeah. where you spent ages trying to get something, only to find out it's the most generic. Everyone has it achievement yeah. in the book, completely undermines your victory, and you're like, yes, I finally finished. I've got it. Game. Oh God, says so everyone else. Says <laughs> so everyone else. That was worth one point. But um, sort of moving on. Speaking of the new Xbox, uh, word you're going to hear a lot from now on is Durango and that is because am I right in thinking that's the code name for the new Xbox it's just a place in Mexico yeah yeah and but where they're making the new Xbox <laughs> yeah that's so, where it's manufactured by men wearing large hats so Microsoft's new console is called Durango um, it's not actually going to be called Durango forever it'll get a new name eventually but much like Project Natal mm. it's kind of a it's named after a place in South America uh, Durango is their working title for the next Xbox. Um, we know some things about it that you're going to read in the next Xbox world. So we don't, mm. we don't want to put them on, on here right now. Uh, but we do know some stuff about what we heard from various people across the industry because there's a lot of drunken games developers at GDC. And um, we've, uh, we've been talking to basically all of our contacts. There are certain things, of course, which are actually fully in the public domain right now. Mm. Um, we know it's an AMD graphics card uh, we know it's graphics processor we know roughly what kind of spec it's going to be we think it's going to be on par with the radeon 7000 series which is just released brand new it's uh, january which means it's a, a monster it's a, yeah. a really powerful ship it's state absolutely state of the art of course it'll be state of the art when the machine's released in 2013 but it'll still be a, a pretty it'll still decent, be hot yeah i mean let me put it this way the, that graphics card will with a decent processor will quite happily run battlefield 3 Max, uh, maximum settings at 1080p at 60 frames a second, mm. which is something like, as we know, the Xbox definitely does not do. No. Uh, it's we we kind of we've got a word on the CPU that actually we we think. To be honest, when I, when I heard it, even I was I, I was kind of like that's that it can't be right. It just can't be right. Uh, for positive or negative, uh, you'll find it in it pretty soon. But <laughs> I, I the, the the figures I was given seemed insane to me. Um, and we we since have checked around and they seem legit. I, so. rem- I remember read, reading about that when you wrote. It's, it's such a massive tease, and it'd be great just to talk about it. But it it did seem yeah, yeah eye opening. Eye opening is the yeah, word. yeah. It'll it'll definitely it'll definitely change things because what they're putting in is the hardware across the board. From what we're hearing, seems to be unprecedented mm. in any consumer product and we'll be talking about that in in the, in the next dish which is on the shelves in a couple of weeks so mm. not too long to wait uh 3rd of april i'm not going to go into that too much but let's talk about the stuff that's coming like coming out of this like durango conference so when mm. one of the guys from crytek uh said you know it was tweeted you know he's like oh man i've been uh having a nice great swag at the durango, durango conference great talks really interesting <laughs> Oh, it's just great. And then about an hour later, he, did, he, did, yeah, he was he dead. Did. Hello. Yeah. yeah. An hour later, he'd been hit by a bus. Yeah. He yeah. deleted the tweet like an hour later. Um, it's worth pointing out that this was in London. This was this in London. Yes. Yeah, so conference. It was, was a European London. show. Mm. Uh, so all of the European devs came to an event in London to talk about working on Durango. But we've since heard, and this is again, this is it was more detail, and this will be in our next issue. But we've heard that there was a similar event in America, mm. in uh, San Francisco, mm. about three or four days before GDC, where a similar event was held, uh, and all the American 
uh, like only American games developers turned up to that because of course a lot of more in town already. So it's a perfect time for Microsoft to get to sort this all out. And well, we're hearing dev kits are out now. Mm. Dev kits, dev kits are with developers now. Now Microsoft have, have actually gone on record to say we're not we're not talking about next gen at all, and it won't be at E3. That's the crazy part, right? That just seems absolutely mad. Now I th I think. I think personally, that's just going to be semantics. That's that's them saying, new new Xbox won't be E3, but hey, here's the technology that's going to be in the new Xbox. Yeah. Here are the games that are going to be running on the new Xbox. We just don't have a box. Both Sony and Microsoft are saying this, and it doesn't gel with what we're hearing from first and third party developers mm. from across the entire industry. It's not gelling with what we're hearing. Most of the industry right now, its efforts are focused like. Those who haven't got games that are coming out in the next eight, nine months, most of their development efforts are focused on the next generation. Certainly, every major like developer you can think of is recruiting right now for next-gen stuff, you know? It's, it's, the, it's absolutely the focus of their efforts. And rolling into E3, both Microsoft and Sony say, we're, we're not announcing new hardware. Well, guess what? Nintendo is. Mm. We know about uh, Wii U because they showed it last year, but the Wii U they're going to bring to E3 this year will be very, very different to the Wii U they brought last year. I mean, are we right in saying that, Matt? Uh, it'll be a firmer idea, a firmer kind of concept. It was all a little vague last year. Um, Certainly we've heard in the uh, the months since last the last E3, they've upped the spec of the, the dev kits and so yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, it's, obviously it's all a bit tricky because we didn't really have a firm idea to begin with. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's always been this very vague thing and... It's weird because half the stories we heard from, you know, you get these sort of anonymous sources spilling their guts saying there's always massive problems, you know, Nintendo's struggling to make the actual thing work, to make the tablet work with the with the, with the the base and they keep up in the specs, keep changing the specs. But then at the same time, you know, we've talked face-to-face -face with some devs who've said we're having a whale of a time working on it, developing on it, you know, stable, we like it, it's in a good place. So it's really messy. I I, I absolutely hate I hate this period. You know, while it's exciting to have the kind of, we don't know what's going to happen, I just can't stand the amount of this bullshit that's being thrown mm. around by everyone under the veil of Anonymous. Like, literally, there are websites who, we know that their staff just made stuff up and said, oh, yeah, this guy says this. And then if it doesn't turn out to be that, who cares? You've forgotten you've, it. You've got the hits. And yeah, you've you got it by then. Weeks later. You know? Like... I think yeah, as as magazine staff, you know, I hope that when the Wii U, when the the next Xbox and PS PS4 come out, people actually hold it against the magazines we've written yeah. and mm. see. You know what those guys knew what they were talking about. Right now, about. I'll take exactly. I'll, I'll gladly take the Pepsi challenge with any other uh, any other website or a publication. Yeah. Like if when 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 the next Xbox is announced, go back and flick through your Xbox world and see what we said. Yeah, we've heard some things from our sources, and some of them have, have, have seemed contradictory. And when that when that's happened, we've kind of tried to I'm trying to I'm trying to find which you know the, the truth in it. Mm. There's talk that basically, like if you if you listen to enough sources, you'll hear the next Xbox does everything, <laughs> literally does everything. <laughs> but when you sort of start sorting through it, some things definitely rise to the surface. Some things which seem are seem much clearer, much more reliable mm. than others. We recently yeah. talked to a company that apparently are working with positional sound. Um, they which is to say, you know, you can be in a room, I'm sitting where Matt Castle's sitting, I can hear a load of music in my ears, I take six feet, stand six feet to the left, can't hear anything anymore. It's, it, That's just it, a sign that you're going insane, Mike. Well, it's, it's a point sound right where you are, you oh, know, right. so you can, you can drive people crazy with this thing. But 
we hear the company we spoke to about because we were just like chatting about position mm. sound. And we said like, is there an application for this in the console space? They were like, well, actually, we're working with a major console manufacturer right now. <laughs> well, wait, hang on, hold on a second. What, what was that? Sorry, hold on. Which one? Like, oh, we're NDA'd up, up, the, up the wazoo, but we can't say anything. But that gels again with things mm. we're hearing about next Xbox, things we told you guys a couple of months ago in Xbox World that Microsoft mm. have got huge patents on positional sound systems. Yeah. They've, got, they've been developing this stuff for years. The trick is making it small enough, but as things move on, they get smaller, and all of a sudden the things which seemed improbable once start seeing far, seeming far more likely. And once it would have been absurd that Microsoft would have released the controller with... Uh, its own screen on it to make a you know to give it a tablet thing. Why would you do that and connect and this and that? But then you start re-looking at Microsoft's patents and even things we were talking about, like oh, Microsoft are interested in virtual reality. Mm. Well, recently a lot of patents have surfaced about this helmet and the pair of specs they've patented, <laughs> which are planning to they're planning on doing exactly that. This stuff is happening. It won't happen launch day. You know, it might not be their launch day. But this stuff is happening, and the stuff we've heard. You know, I'll stack our sources up. I reckon, I reckon they're good. I reckon, yeah. I reckon the people who... It's, it's not like we're going to one guy and saying, tell us what you know. We're talking mad dozen... Jeff. Yeah, ma- <laughs> mad Jeff. Yeah, mad... Jeff from some, like, no-name... Yeah, yeah mad, mad Jeff, like an Eastern European developer yeah. who's, yeah, who's, like, he's making a game now about a cartoon mouse. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, this, this, is, these are, this is from across the industry. This is all kinds of people talking and stuff. And every now and again, there's, you, there's someone who's going to obviously say something that just sounds wild. And but increasingly, the things we heard that sounded wild 12 months ago mm. seem to be less and less absurd right now, mm. which is why rolling into this E3, you look at Wii U, and Microsoft and Sony can't take Wii U for granted. No. They're going to be rolling out next year, which means presumably they can sell a lot more power a lot cheaper. No worries. And those guys aim for a much higher spec anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of expected. But they can't afford to give Nintendo E3. They can't just roll into E3, into E3 and say, okay, so here's Forza Horizon, here's Halo 4, and we'll see you next year. Yeah. Because they, they need to, for want of a better term, they need to Dreamcast the Wii U. The reason Dream, Dreamcast didn't sell wasn't because of what PlayStation 2 did, it's because of what PlayStation 2 promised to do. Mm. Sony, all they had, Sony had to do was turn up to E3 when Sega were announcing their Dreamcast and say... We've got a new console coming. It's called PlayStation 2, and here's what it will do. And after that, the Dreamcast was killed. It, it just couldn't compete against the promise. Sony and Microsoft just have to roll into E3 with the promise of a new console, and they're going to. Mm. They can sit and say they're not going to do it all they like, but they... But you know what? Even, even recently, I've, they've convinced me. They've convinced... They've, they've, <laughs> Don't they've, let them do it, Mike. They've they've con- they've conv- they're they're, they're so, so adamant they're not showing new hardware. Again, I think, like you guys were saying, I think it might be a matter of semantics. Yeah. They're saying, oh, yeah, we're not going to actually show new hardware at E3, mm. but we are going to show all of these demos, what you can expect to see on new hardware, maybe. Who knows? We might, we might have a few sort of uh, Killzone 2 incidents. You remember a few years Nobody ago at E3 that. when Sony showed uh, Killzone yeah. 2 and everyone but said, you liars, you liars, that's all pre-rendered. But uh, it didn't th- turn th- out too far from that. I think the um, the whole pre-rendered thing, the, the boat sailed on that. You don't even yeah. see a lot of pre-rendered stuff on commercials these days. I mean, mm. back when like Call of Duty launched, they had like that, Call of Duty 2 launched, they had that uh, that rendered trailer and stuff on the, on the commercial. And you're like, why? The game looks great. But... Games developers tend not to do that now. There's a real pride in what those guys are outputting themselves, and most of them don't feel the need to commission a special ad for it. Uh, Mass so, Effect just did. Well, yeah, but 
that's Mass Effect's a whole different conversation. That's a weird thing, yeah. So just just briefly then, what what games would you like to see Microsoft show in E three with their Durango thing, which they're not showing in any way. But if they did show it, what would you like to see alongside it? I mean, we know we're, we're going to see Halo 4 for 360, and we're going to see Forza Horizon for... We assume it's 360. It's 360. It's coming this year so, because Forza Horizon is going to be their even-year Forza mm, game, and Forza Motorsport is going to be their odd-year game. Yeah, yeah. So what, what would you like to see? Would you like to see at E3? I mean, in an ideal world, what would you see with the, the next Xbox that would make you think... Yeah, that's it. Let's Everyone just, else has had it. Let's just be realistic for a second. They're not going to show anything that li- that's a game. Mm. No, no one's going to show anything that is a game. Uh, but what they might do, for example, is to show their engines and show it using it with in-game assets. So you'll have, you could, in theory, in yeah. case you're just speculating, you could have Dan Greenewalt come out and go, and here's the sort of thing you can expect to see in Forza Five. A game they have announced already, mm. and show you like these redonkulous polygon models <laughs> driving down photorealistic tracks, uh, and you could have Mark Rain coming out from Epic and saying, "And here's what you can expect," because they've already got an Unreal Four demo. Mm. The word we hear is they want—they're hoping to demo it at E3. They're looking to demo it on someone's stage. Microsoft's been a close well, partner for years, be, yeah. so maybe it's Microsoft. And they come out and they go, and here's you know here's the kind of uh, worlds you can expect us to build mm-hmm. for games like Gears of War with yeah. Unreal 4. Because they're, um, there's, there's, it's not just talk, they are making uh, Gears prequels, aren't they? Like a Gears uh, prequel We believe trilogy. people can fly. Uh, mm. The guys who did Bulletstorm, who are an incredibly talented team. In, in cahoots with Epic, because they, they joined yeah, up Epic, to they're make, actually, uh, I mean, Epic, uh, Epic own them these days, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those guys are making the Gears Pendulum Wars prequels. Mm. So we think... Is a pretty decent chance the next Xbox launching with a Gears of War prequel, yeah. but that would be a bit strange because we also hear, and again, this is one of those things where you hear it and you're like, really? But then you you sort of think about it, you're like, it, it kind of makes sense. We're hearing Halo Five for uh, like 2013, so mm. which would be bumper should be slamming it straight <laughs> after Halo Four. I don't I don't think there's any chance a Microsoft console would launch without. A Halo game. Actually, so 360 did. 360 did, I suppose, yeah. I mean, they launched a perfect, perfect Dark was their shooter. That's a shooter they were Whoa there. Of. Well, here's the thing. Microsoft will always launch a console with A, a driving game, B, mm. a shooter, C, probably a beat-em-up. They like to do that. D, a family game. They always do this. They did, like, Fusion Frenzy was the, was the family game for the last yeah. Xbox. Yeah. They did... Um, they did. They did two Gotham's per- in a row. Perfect Dark Gotham Three. COD was a shooter. Halo Cameo. was a shooter. Cameo, Cameo was an RPG. They'll do. They'll do an RPG as well. They did King Kong, which is like a film game. They they always hit certain things, and they'll definitely want a racing game. So that'd be Forza Five, obviously. Mm-hmm. They definitely want a shooter. That would probably be Gears. Yeah. Probably. Uh, but in a in a in Fantasyland, it would be the next Halo. I'm sure that's what Microsoft would like to launch with. Mm. So. Well, but, maybe know, yeah. Yeah, Quick, faster! The thing is, though, it's like you, th- you th- we say that it's like God. How many Nintendo consoles have launched without a Mario game? Like quite a few. Yeah, um, yeah. And the last, last, the last few Nintendo consoles haven't had great launch lineups. No. You know, we and we had Twilight Princess, but it was a leftover from GameCube. So yeah, it was a little bit, a little bit. Tricky. Did they ever release the GameCube version of Twilight Princess? The four, yeah, they did. four or three. Yeah, a few like a few weeks later, and to like they you know sold like five copies or something. Yeah, I remember that. It's that a rare, it's a real sad, rarity because yeah. it's all um, it's all mirror. It's a it's a mirror of the the game of the Wii game because in the they, Wii they he's right handed, he's left handed in the yeah. GameCube. So no, um, just fact. just quickly as well, do we think Sony are going to be showing anything? Again, they keep denying. 
Well, Sony are in a slightly different position to Microsoft. I don't think technologically they're they're in a, is a stronger position to do it. Microsoft know what they're doing, but you know, we we hear you know Microsoft have got all their patents and they've got their chips sorted out and everything. Yeah, their Microsoft's chip has been sorted for a while. But but Sony have you know they the the PS3's architecture cannot translate to PS4. Because it's, it's, it's so it's, it's, custom, and you know they've had so much prop, so many problems with this generation, you know, because developers haven't been able to do PC version, 360 version, PS3 version, you know, all off the bat. They've had to work with Sony's really complex architecture, mm. you know. So essentially, Sony are sort of, you know, they're at a standing start. You know, they can put a PC in a box, but they're not going to out Microsoft by putting a PC in a box because Microsoft knows exactly what, what they're doing. What they'll do though is they'll put a more powerful PC in a box. That's how Sony roll. They'll, 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 be, they'll produce a more powerful machine can, than Microsoft. Can they afford to do that in this day and age? They'll, so, they, Sony's position so, Sony, is awkward. Sony always play for power. They always play for power. They, whenever they release a machine, it's the most powerful machine on shelves at that point, and they'll, they'll do the same again. That's... That's Sony's game, but we've um, we heard Microsoft's chip had been sorted since around about like November last year. Mm. Uh, so then that's kind of like an open rumor that's popped up on the internet all over the place. We heard it from the internet before anyone like I knew did mm. said anything because it comes from Chinese like uh, chip manufacturing plants. Like I don't have any, I don't have, we none of us have any contact, contacts in the chip world, you know. Uh, at least I don't. I'm not sure if you do. How about you, Matt Castle? Anyone making chips? I was going to make a really shit chip joke about like eating chips. I was actually setting you up for that joke. And I was oh right. Oh sorry. I thought I thought if I made I that joke, I was, you were going to be like, oh, typical. Was, we're talking about chips. No, so. I was hoping you would say sort of like, yeah, I know a, a guy, Steve. He makes lovely chips. He's, yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know that's what you were going for. I thought if I say that, he'll be angry. Cr- crispy chips. No, I was, I was setting oh, you up. I was going to make a fish and chips. I was setting up and you blew it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no more like, setups for you. I was wasted my setup. Hard, hard straight curveballs thrown straight. <laughs> it was just it was a slow ball right in the middle. Yeah, yeah I didn't know what to deal with it. That, that was a, that was a take a walk home run, and you, you... <laughs> just swung and missed. Yeah, but oh yeah, so like Sony of um, I think are going to be I, I, from Egget. We haven't heard we we have heard of dev kits for the next Xbox up, up mm. in the wild. We haven't heard anything about the Sony dev kits, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means we haven't heard about it. Yeah, I, I just have a nasty feeling that Sony are just, just absolutely panicking and they're so far behind. Well, Sony under Kazuhiro Rai is a very different Sony. I mean, Sony mm. have gone on record in saying that. Like, you know, they used to be obsessed with custom solutions, bizarro chips, you know, really, really... Yeah. It's the stuff that is very Sony. Like, yeah. this is our technology, we're using our chip, we're using our custom solution, we're using our software. What do you mean you can't use it? What do you mean you don't know how to work with it? Yeah, you just need to learn. Yeah. You, know, you just need to learn. And that is always like Sony's way, but Kaz is a guy who's coming he's been he's got a much more Western background. He knows, he's, he's, he's been talking to the software guys. Apparently, like, Vita was developed in conjunction with software guys. Mm. Hardware and software were developed side by side. The software development kit was developed alongside the hardware. And there's, they've got a much more developer-friendly approach. They're really thinking about this time. I mean, Vita's entirely like a modular machine. If you take that thing apart, it's all very simple off-the-shelf parts and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Very small parts, but very easy to repair, very easy to maintain. Like, so you know what they're doing. Like, so you not to be underestimated. They know what they're doing when it comes to hardware. It's just whether they've actually got it built and an idea for it yet. Mm. I, I, I strongly suspect they're behind. Speaking of, uh, speaking of sort of the change of management... Just worth quickly mentioning, uh, Peter Molyneux out. Phil Harrison is in. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so it's like Peter Molyneux, he's, uh, he's left Linehead. After this is all great news. Years. This is great news because it means Peter Molyneux is free to let his brain 
yeah. come up with games and he's stuff. T- he's taken off his fable shackles, isn't he? He doesn't. He doesn't have to make any more fables. Yeah. And maybe in the next game he makes it just like fable. Who knows? But he's going to make it under his own terms. He calls it story. Yeah, tall story. And he won't have to. Uh, Myth. He won't have to uh, run Microsoft Game. Well, be the creative director for Microsoft Game Studios Europe, mm-hmm. um, which kind of. It probably involved a lot of suity boardroom stuff that he's not going to be great at. Meanwhile, Phil Harrison is a professional suit. Mm-hmm. He is um, a literal giant and a, a metaphorical giant in the giant industry as well. He's a, a very tall man. He's a very um, well-connected man. The guy's... Yeah, everyone knows Phil Harrison, you know? Yeah, he's uh, an, an ex, ex-Sony man and he's, he's now Microsoft, yeah. Yeah, so he's going to be reporting back to Tokyo. He's good. He, he champ- championed games like Little Big Planet and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but he also championed games like Killzone 2. Well... Yeah, it caused a splash. It wasn't very good, but you know, you, you can't be held accountable for the lack of talent at Gorilla or the lack of imagination. That's, that's a cruel thing to say. I won't well, say, say Gorilla aren't talented. Would I? <laughs> <laughs> no, those guys, those guys, like, those guys are absolutely yeah. uh, amazing tech guys. And if they had, if they had the, you know what? They're not the only guys in um, in uh, Northern Europe, which have, have got incredible tech talent, but struggle a bit to put together a decent campaign. You know, Dice, Dice are another company which are just mm. like that. They've uh, everyone says Killzone's my player, I'm going mode's pretty good, but nobody rates the campaign. Just like Battlefield, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe that's Starbreeze. Maybe it's like a European thing. Don't mention Starbreeze. Yeah, Starbreeze as well, good. but they don't do good multiplayer either. No, good tech though. Amazing tech. Oh, lovely yeah. light. Starbreeze. Give me some more of that syndicate light. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I could go. I could go for something like light right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, those CD project. They're all right. Yeah, so OCD pro- project. CD project. Not oh, OCD. Oh, I was just saying, I've not heard of that. Yeah. No, you see, they, they try to make a game, but every time they get in in the morning, they have to turn the light switch on 50 times. Well, oh, that's quite a broad, mean <laughs> OCD joke. Yeah, well, it's very, very, very cruel. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> see, the guys at CD project, like, there's so the, much. The, to be like, let's put it in context, they're the ones making The Witcher 2. Yeah, across yeah. Europe, there's so much technical talent because they all grew up on PCs, just like, yeah, here, yeah. Just like here in the UK, you know, you grew up with home computing backgrounds mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. console backgrounds. In America, if you were interested in making games, you had to really go out of your way to learn to make it. But over here, it's just you picked up a ZX Spectrum. You talked to the CD Projekt guys, they all owned, they all owned Spectrums growing up, you know, yeah. just like guys in Britain did. Yeah. And they got good at using them, they got good at pushing They were all part of the demo scenes back in the day, which was entirely about pushing the machine as far as it would go. Those guys are just ridiculously talented, and The Witcher is actually they, a really good game. Yeah, they, they're pushing the Xbox surprisingly far, I see. It's, yeah, it's a more almost almost as far as any game like yeah. this generation. I, I sort of, I, it's amazing. It's amazing what they've managed to cram in. And if you if you see the the team that they've got there, it's tiny. We were on this studio tour. It lasted sixty seconds. It's yeah. it's a tiny team. Well, can you go? Here's where you hang the coats. Here's yeah. the here's the computers. Here's Mad Jimmy. Here's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mad Jimmy who's saying something about the next gen. <laughs> So he's like, ah, it'll dispense fruit. And you're like, oh, there you go. That'll be a story on a on a competitor's blog sometime yeah. soon. <laughs> dispense fruit. I wish it would. Yeah, like that. Juice. It's got yeah. a juicer on it. Well, that'll be brilliant. Well, again, let's just just let's just bang up on CBG. We'll get the hits. Everyone will forget about it next week. Yeah. That's the you know that's the way the internet works. The internet's got such a short memory. You can report anything. And a week later, no one remembers. Yeah, next Xbox is going to be made of felt. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> made, made of felt. Yeah, so made what, of felt. Yeah, exclusive. Someone told me. What were we talking about? Right, new Splinter Cell. Uh, we, 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 we were talking about new Splinter Cell. I know, I know. <laughs> You've time making jumped. a weak joke about the internet, forgetting about things, but it's, it's backfired Jesus. spectacularly. <laughs> um, Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell, new Splinter Cell coming out. 
soon. Well, not soon. It hasn't been announced. It, it, it hasn't even been announced, they're, they're but there's anna- a new they, split as They've announced the announcement, right? Yeah. They, they said, okay... You, you, you know we're working on this new cell. We know we're working on this new cell. Let's level with one another. There's let's, wheels let's J- Jade Raymond out to say, hey boys, we're making a new Splinter Cell. We'll tell you about it soon. Breathily. Mm-hmm. Hello, boys. Because she loves gamers, does Jade Raymond. Hey, listen, don't support talk to Mac on Jade Raymond. She's an industry professional. And she's, know, very, she's very know, good at her job. I know. I know, but she is very she pretty. She had to do with I Am Alive, didn't she, at some point? She was originally point, the yeah. producer, yeah. But before, yes. before it was shuffled away around the world. But, but Ubisoft knows she's a pretty lady. You hate I Am Alive, isn't it? I hate everyone in, ever involved in it. If you worked a single day on I Am Alive at any point in its construction, <laughs> you're an idiot and I hate you. There you go. It's very tolerant of you. Yeah, it's pop bowl work. Oh, it's awful. I tried, to, I tried to play I Am Alive the other day and I, um, I, was, uh, I got to a bit where there's a little girl on the playground and I went in to rescue her and a guy pulled a gun on me so I shot him but he put a couple of bullets into me first. So my whole screen was flashing because I was hurt mm. and my controller was going because it was vibrating mm. but it's vibrating on the, on the small motor because you know inside the controller there's a big motor and a small motor. Yeah, yeah. The big motor is what rows your arm off and the small motor is like more subtle movements. Mm. Well, they were just going zzz, zzz, to replicate the heartbeat, you know. Mm. But I didn't have any recovery items. <laughs> So he was. He kept doing that for about four minutes, five minutes. I know that seems like a short space of yeah, time, yeah. but imagine right now if someone was just poking you yeah, for four minutes, going like poke, poke, and you're all the entire time you're trying to play a game, but you can't really see it because every edge of the screen is like cloudy mm, and that's mm. flickering too. And I was getting so, I was getting annoyed to the point that I kind of sort of observed myself from the outside looking in. <laughs> and I was like. It's not worth getting this worked up. Just Definitely just put not. the controller down, turn the game off, and go do something else. Mm. So I did. I haven't played the game since. And I bought it with my own money. It's uh, £10.20 yeah. I'll never see. Yeah. Again. Damn. Hey, I am alive. So, yeah. I am vibrating mildly. <laughs> That's the name of the game when Mike was playing it. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't just a statement about this podcast. My mind was, <laughs> I am blind. I am blind. I am blind. I, I, am can't, I can't see. I literally can't I see shit. Poked. And I'm being poked every three seconds. Yeah, and I'm being, I'm being, I'm being. My hand is just. I can feel. I can feel my own frustration building because it, it literally starting from my hand, moving up my body. Mm. So I hope none of those people are working on Splinter Cell. Well, Splinter Cell's well, being Jane made. Raymond out of, is Splinter Cell's, Well, she's not working on it. She's um, oh, she's running the whole yeah. studio in Toronto. And it's being made by Maxine Belland, the same guy who made Splinter Cell: Conviction. Good. Yeah. I like Conviction. I do too. It had a bad rep, but I like it. Well, it's a great game. It's just not a great Splinter Cell game. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jay Raymond has said, and I quote, "I'm just reading off my screen." Doing a breathy voice. I'm not doing an impression of Jay Raymond. She hasn't got a breathy voice anyway. Um, it it will have her. all the action flick elements for sure, but we're trying to also explore something a little bit more interesting. That is actually one of the themes that's at the root of the franchise historically, but never has been uh, surfaced so much. It's good English, isn't it? Uh, I can't really say much more than this. You're having a go at me for taking the piss out of her. Well, it's not her. It's this, well, she's being quoted here, and her words probably need rejigging a little bit because you know sometimes when you, oh, you, yeah, you yeah. Like, if you tried to transcribe this podcast, it would be absurd. Yeah, it would just be a load of noise. It'd, it'd just be like the print equivalent of white noise. <laughs> um, it's the podcast equivalent so, of white noise. Yeah. <laughs> it's going back to something something to do with its roots. Do we have any idea? So do we have any idea? Explore something a little bit more interesting. It's one of the themes that's at the root of the franchise historically, but hasn't surfaced so much. Doing the splits? No, that was a Pandora Tomorrow thing. So, 
doing the splits. That's that's doing really, this. Just, we're going to like, really take it back to its core. It's connect, it's connect power. And you have to do. It. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, gymnastics is at the heart of this game. He's older and he's more limber than he's ever been before. So let's think. What was? Do you it? think he'll be older again? You can't be older was, again. Conviction was all about like Sam's family and his, pers- yeah, his personal life. Aggressive stuff. Oh, is it going to yeah. be a story thing, not a mechanic? No, I, I don't thing. think oh, it's it maybe, will be. Maybe story and mechanics. I, just, I, I just don't care about the story. I don't no, care it's, who it's Tom is. Clancy. Who cares? It's just like yeah. some stuff happened. I, I, Acronyms were involved. Yeah, you know, I, I, get, I get to a level in that game and it says, "Go do this thing." I'll be like, "All right." Oh, it's nonsense. I couldn't tell you what happened. Do I, do I get to punch some men? Great. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he might be going back to... Uh, it's Echelon, isn't it? Third Echelon. Third, Third Echelon's Echelon, been yeah. divided, like dissolved and collapsed. I reckon he... He blew be, up the building. He might be going back to some sort of military. Some sort of spec ops. He might be back, he might be back in the fold. Um, Splinter Cell Conviction yeah. ends with him rescuing his friend from... Because one thing he's going about is Megiddo. Because Megiddo are basically like... Mm. They're revealed and touched upon in Conviction... They're the sort of secret masters of the world. They're the guys who are behind the government and stuff like that. It's so, a bit Metal Gear for my life. It's a bit Metal Gear for me as well. The yeah. Lolly Lila Low. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they start talking on that stuff, you kind yeah. of, I'm kind of out at yeah. that point. So I, I reckon he's back in the fold. Just point me in the right direction and I'll go shoot someone. He'll have his rubber suit on again. That's where they're, that's where they're taking you back, rubber and gymnastics. Yeah. I don't know if they will. Maxime Ballon was very pleased with the, the Sam they created for the last game. You know, he, they, they really like that guy. I'll tell you what will happen, though. Yeah. He'll be able to walk slowly. Brilliant. Anyway, to move bodies. To, if you, after um, Splinter Cell Conviction came out, they did a, a sort of breakdown of the game for mm. a game developer magazine. It's something that a lot of guys do. The game developer do amazing postmortems. They're very industry oriented. Mm. Sometimes they get a bit techy and stuff. You know, they're not the sort of thing most consumers would like to read. But I, I have a subscription because it's, it's it's quite interesting sometimes. And these guys, they they talked about it. like one of the things they really wanted was proper walking speeds and to be able to move bodies. They said that's two core things from the franchise they really wanted. And what I mean by the walking speed is thing is like if in Assassin's Creed you tilt the stick really gently, mm. you'll walk and the animation will synchronise with how much you're moving. It's actually incredibly hard to do. These little things we take for granted in games, they're actually like super hard, like getting the animation to move at the pace that you're moving at. So, you know, you're... you're He's actually putting his feet forward and moving forward at a safe space, which mm-hmm. makes sense to where he's placing his feet, and that's tallying with how far you're moving the stick. In Conviction, they did just a binary system. You were either walking you or running, running. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they literally didn't have time. It's one of the things that was on their wish list. They didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Similarly, moving bodies. It was on their wish list. They didn't have time. So they had to redesign levels around no need, so you wouldn't have to worry about people discovering bodies. Well, in the sequel, those things will be back. You know, those are core Splinter Cell things that will let them do smarter stealth, will let you do more sound-based stealth, and will let you do, um, you know, you do more stuff about when you hide bodies and you sneak through areas which might be mm. repopulated later, and that'll do, be good. Do you think they'll stick to the, the more aggressive stealth system that yeah, they've got? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I enjoyed that. I, I did enjoyed too. it. I, I, I hope they will do. And uh, importantly... I'd like them to slow it down a little bit. Importantly... Like, Give you more options. Will they have multiplayer in it? Well, like traditional Splinter Cell multiplayer. We know Ubisoft and Anacy are working on Assassin's Creed at the moment, but so are Ubisoft massive as far as we know, because like, those guys are working on Far Cry. Mm. We, 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 from what we we believe, they're also working on Assassin's Creed in some way, and they did some multiplayer stuff for the last Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So they why, did. No, they did the uh, the puzzle bits. Did they? The cube. Oh bits, yeah, they yeah. did. Oh god. Sadly. Ugh. So, no, I, 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 want, I, want, proper splinter splinter cell. I want proper Splinter Cell multiplayer back. 
Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this. Spies versus mercs. Well, they should do because you know, you know, the Killzone developers have, have plonked up Killzone Three's multiplayer on PSN and said, "Here it is, it's a free download." Yeah, we're saying stick up, stick up Chaos Theory or Pandora tomorrow's multiplayer. Yeah, as an HD download. Yeah, free to play. Yeah, I'd pay for it. The, the future's free to play. Forget yeah. all. Well, we should talk about this later, by the way. Mm. Free to play. Uh, it's not even supported on consoles. You can't support it because of the way the manufacturers work. But on PC, people are playing things like Team Fortress Two. By the way, not just like a great, not just a good game. One of the best games, mm. you'll, one of the best shooters you'll ever play. People are playing it and they're playing it completely for free. You can, if you've got a PC of a modest spec, you can just turn the machine on and uh, boom, play a brilliant shooter. Yeah. And if you want to pay, boom, you can buy yourself a hat. <laughs> Literally, like that's that's what you can mm. pay. You can buy it. You can buy yourself a hat. And maybe that's what you do. You put Splinter Cell up on there, Spies vs. Mercs, and you can mm. customise your gear. You can change the way your character looks. You can customise the way that, you know, your mercenary looks. You can give them, like, extra... You know, maybe you do give them some gear which confers some kind of advantage and so on. Just, like, small things. But you also make it so you can earn it in the game, but mm. you, could, you could buy your way towards it. That's what they were trying to do with uh, the Batman Gotham City Imposters. Mm. But they made the mistake of selling the base game. Like that's the mistake they made. You can't you can't sell the base game and then say buy all this extra shit as well. Yeah, yeah. You got to give the base game away and just hope you've made a good enough game. That people are going to be like, okay, I'll play, I'll give it a go, and mm. then they get so involved in it, they're like, I could play for the next two week and get this gun that way, or I could just buy it because I really enjoy the game anyway, and I don't mind spending fifty p on that gun. Mm. I'm like, who would? It's like if you can unlock, it's not giving an unfair advantage because you can unlock it anyway. And it's a game you're playing for free. Maybe the mercenary, he's got a pretty, starts with a pretty good gun. You can get a slightly better gun for 50p. Who's going to yeah. begrudge that if you got the game for free in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. Or a laser target or something like that. Yeah, or, you know, you, your, your torch. You, get, mm. you can choose to have a, a, a torch that's a little bit dimmer but has a wider beam. Mm. Or really bright, which is a focus beam. You choose 50p for each one. You know, or that's, a big top hat. It's the cool or a big, hat. Exactly, yeah. or a big top hat. And a massive monocle. Yeah. So every time you got killed by him, you'd be like, ah, oh, that top hat guy. Yeah, you could be the tuxedo guy. You could be, you could be the guy who's... killed by the top hat guy. You could be the tux guy, the guy who's wearing a tux. Right? It costs you 50p, but you get less armor. Yeah. You know, it's like, but, you look, but you look good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm not as tough as that guy, but I look nice. Mm. It, uh, Bioware tried that a little bit with Mass Effect. In multiplayer. Yeesh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it's, it's a similar situation, although I, I don't like it particularly. You get little crates of stuff that you can spend in-game currency I actually on, quite like or you that. can buy an expensive crate for well, eighty like Microsoft. Points. I like the crates too. It's like football oh, stickers. Imagine like it's crates. like a, it's like a pack of stickers. Yeah. So you get like you'll get like five regular stickers. You know, be like got got need need, and one shiny sticker. Yeah, and the shiny sticker you might be like a new stickers. character. And that's the thing they they made a mistake they made. You can't swap them. You can't trade them. FIFA Ultimate Team lets you do that. Mm. You can, we've lost the listeners at this point. We're just going from topic to topic at like yeah. breakneck speed. In FIFA, <laughs> in FIFA Ultimate Team, you can trade the cards. You trade players. Yep, 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 yep. You build teams based on the players. Mm. It's awesome. You ask mm. uh, Rich McCormick, one of our regular freelancers, yeah, yeah. how like that that. Ultimate Team stole hundreds of pounds from his wallet because he got so into it. He just didn't begrudge a penny of it because he was just really enjoying it. Imagine how much money your mum spent on trading cards for you when you were a kid, you know? Not many. My mum was strict with trading really? cards. Really? Yeah. Mm. She let me have... Th- I had collected, th- I collected Thunderbirds cards and that's all I was allowed. Oh, because you were young for the Thunderbirds revival. Yeah. I collected wrestling... Tran- when Reno was really young, Transformers stickers, then Batman the movie cards, and then WWF cards, wrestling. Mm. Yeah, that's hot shit. I used to get a pack of Thunderbird cards whenever I lost a tooth. The tooth fairy used to pay me in Thunderbird oh, that's cards. Nice. 
good on your tooth fairy. I used to collect the Transformers ones. Yeah. She must have had some lucrative deal going with The Panini ones, right? Yeah, we would have... You and me could have swapped kind of Didn't stickers. they have like were they the one did at the Transformers stage? Did they have like the uh, the special sort of like holographic background ones? Like no, the they didn't. They did. They had they silver ones. The they had silver what we were called yeah. what we were called shinies because they were rare. They were rare. You were always pleased when you got one of those. Yeah, because Even especially since in, in that tra- oh god, I can't believe I remember this. I'm getting flashbacks. The uh, Transformers sticker book only had two shinies, I think, in the whole book, which was the Decepticon logo and the Autobots logo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the yeah. rest were just like regular, like like panels from comics and panels from the animated show. <laughs> Matt Castle was like going, "Yep, sure thing, old timers." Did you get when <laughs> when it came to the WWF stickers? Much later, though, they had like holographic foil. Every sticker had a potential of being not just a regular version of the sticker, but like a holographic version of the sticker. Mm-hmm. So those bastards milking people. Someone somewhere's probably got a book that's only the silvery shiny ones. Yeah, I hate that bastard. Yeah, and I'm going to track him down and steal He's his still book. Got it. He gets gets it out every time he brings a girl around. Oh, I also collected World Cup nineteen ninety stickers, which is weird because I hated football. But I collected oh, them. just, just what everyone collected. Though. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. you had to collect them to That's basically the pay off bullies. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're going to beat you up unless you can got football stickers. Well, the funniest thing you could do is when someone was well, not the funniest thing I I would do because it'd be mean. But when someone's like swapping stickers in the playground, they got a big fistful of stickers. You run up and you just bash their hand, <laughs> so all the stickers smash onto Why the floor. Why would you do that? Because at that point, it's a free for all. Everyone just piles on. But and... that's stealing. Yeah. That wouldn't have cut it in my my primary school. In my in my junior school, that was a cruel trick. Sometimes people would play. Nah. Mostly though, I got to say there was like a respect for. Yeah. The sanctity of the got got need system. Mm, yeah. Like if you uh, sanctity. I remember actually when <laughs> we were doing the Batman trading cards. That <laughs> sorry, listeners. <laughs> we did with the Batman trading cards. One guy because there's 150 cards and something like 18 stickers, mm. and he had all 150 cards. He had 17 stickers or whatever it was missing one, and he was going through. Some guy was going just got 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 got. Got, 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 got through this list. Like this guy had a, someone had a deck of cards because you would build up like a deck yeah, of cards yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a of, of, card, of, of duplicates. It was bigger than your like mm. your your set deck. So he's just going through. He's got, got, and he's going over and over again. And then he pulls it over and he's got the sticker he needs. He was like, need, need. He literally <laughs> says, I'll give you all of these. Yeah. He had his entire like duplicate deck. Yeah. His, his work here was done. Yeah, right? yeah. He had his entire duplicate. He said, I'll give you all of these for the set sticker. And the guy was like, done. Is he just put he put this deck in the kid's hand and just took that one sticker back. That's nice. He was covered. He was covered yeah. forever. That's Tom. That's the kid, I can't even remember the kid's name. I remember his surname too. I'm not going to say it because I think he went on to do some shady stuff later in life. I don't want you guys googling him. So uh, yeah, new Splinter Cell, lots of top stickers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that, that sort of wraps up the uh, the news portion of this show. Uh, Imagine if the actual news was as rambling as this conversation. <laughs> you tune into the six o'clock news, and then by the end of the show, you got freaking Hugh Edwards or whatever going. Oh, and then I really and then like I this it. kind of rice, but I don't like that kind of rice. And you're like, where did we get to this? And uh, Carol Kirk was like, oh, I had a really, really good takeaway, really good rice. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's this place, there's this place just in Common Garden. It's really, yeah. really good. And he's like, oh, I have to go there. Where is that? And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give you the uh, details later. Okay. I pay to see that news. Well, I do pay to see the news. Uh, you know, we all do. Oh, I'll tell you what I did the other day. Uh, I bought, uh, got a Netflix account. Oh yeah. So this, this actually, is relevant. It's actually that's this, fine. This is actually this is Xbox related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Um, so you get it. You get it through the Xbox, the Netflix. Yeah, yeah I got the free month, but go. I also used the trick to get onto the US Netflix. The, the trick. The trick. Oh, see, UK Netflix is kind of like. Um, 
Well, it's, it's kind of like going to Summerfield and going to that big, like the basket of DVDs they've got, where it's all kind of like, you go through it and you're like, oh, Robocop, brilliant. And you grab it and then you're like, ooh, Cynthia Rothrock in, in, in Kung Fu Cop. Yeah. You're like, mm, yeah. really? <laughs> or like, you know, you go, you're going through it and you're like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's, uh, it's, a movie. it's like a movie called like Retribution. Mm. And it stars, I don't know, some like Billy Blanks. Or all those kind of yeah, classic. John Claude Van Damme's brother. Or yeah. Good films you just got no desire to see, like Dead Poet Society. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, do I really want to see Dead Poet Society or yeah. Good Morning Beer? Channel 4 every other yeah, week. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I could, I guess. Like, well. it's, like, it's like a, a two ninety nine copy of Shawshank Redemption, which is, which is two ninety nine <laughs> yeah. because it's on Channel Four every six weeks. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, okay. But that's what the UK Netflix is like. But if you get onto the US Netflix with a little tweak to your DNS settings, just do a search for US Netflix DNS slash UK, whatever. You'll find you'll find your way to it, listeners. And you get you can take up take up on the month subscription, and all of a sudden you've got access to everything. Every everything, TV, everything. film, anime. They they don't have Spartacus on there, which is a big hole for Xbox World, <laughs> as you know. Like Spartacus is a religion on Xbox World. Listeners. Get your ass into Spartacus, like post hey, Spartacus is a special thing. Uh, but they haven't got Spartacus. They do have the Spartacus visual comic book <laughs> based on the first season of the TV show, right. which is weird. That's because it's just an enormous tease. Yeah. So it's, hey, it's not on here, but I, we got this comic book. When we say everything, there are occasions when you look for one thing, you'll be like, I can't believe Netflix doesn't have this thing. Yeah. But that's the crazy part. You'll be like, you'll be actually surprised when they don't have something. Mm. It's got like a hundred Korean films. Oh, that's a lot that of Korean. That's a lot of Korea, isn't it? That's a lot. Yeah, some, they got they got Korean soap operas on there. No, yeah, wow. TV shows and things. I was yeah. just the other day just watching episode after episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> with my hamster. <laughs> me yeah. and me and my hamster were hanging out watching Star Trek. Great, I know. That's a nice story. I watched the episode with um, Leonard Nimoy in. I didn't even know there was one with him in. Yeah, he's in the Next Generation. He's because amb- he's Ambassador Spock, right? Oh, right. He um, defects the Romulan homeworld. He's, that's what starts living f- long and prospering. He's well. The, the Vulcans are very long lived. That's why he was right. able to live long enough to make it to travel back in time for the new Star Trek movies. Um, why, why old Shatner didn't make it? Because he he, tra- <laughs> he travels back in time, uh, like ten years after the end of um, uh, Nemesis. Right. So he's like, he's like, guy's still kicking ass. I mean, I know Leonard Nimoy literally looks like the oldest man in the <laughs> yeah. world at this point. So old. <laughs> but he's yeah, um, long but yeah, he's in bass. <laughs> just gonna sit and wait one back. That's castle. it. I've done my old mm. Leonard Nimoy impersonation. Sounds a lot like a wizard impression. Yeah, it's a generic old so, person. Uh, game, game wizards, this new thing as well. Okay. We should we should introduce game wizards to people. Um, Should we? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's think it's, it warrants introduction. But yeah, I was watching. He's, uh, he's already come out to play already. I watched an episode of the X Files. Masquerading as Leonard Nimoy. I watched an episode of the X Files. Tell you what, Netflix really needs what? its playlists. Oh, awful! No, no. What he needs is play. He needs playlists. <laughs> yeah. Because that way, like on iTunes, what you can do is you can share your playlist with someone, mm. and that way it'll just you'll be like, oh, check it, it's mixtape. And this mm. really, if they've got the things in their their album, it'll just it'll just play it. That thing. Mm. Imagine if you had a Netflix mixtape, so you could have. Someone could trade you the X Files mixtape that only had the non-lore episodes of the X Files. Yeah. So all the episodes without the smoking man, all the episodes yeah. without the alien bullshit. Mm. Just all the really cool episodes, the Tombs episode, the guy who sets himself on fire. All those episodes, you know, <laughs> that's a good idea, right? Yeah, no, it is, yeah, it's a good idea. I gotta say, the Netflix app is a is a terrible piece of design, though. 
on oh, yeah. Xbox. You can't find anything on there. It's unnavigable. Unless you know it's on there, you can't find it. You, you, you have to type its name in to get things, so you have to imagine the name of a film you want to watch. Yeah. You're like, I wonder if there's a film called Green Axe or something, what? and then you type that in. And Can you uh, connect it in? Can you, can you yeah, you can. I, yeah. I, I use my I use my um, Netflix account just by shouting at the television. Yeah. The other really annoying thing about it search. is that people link it up to their Facebook accounts and then their Facebook profiles That's say annoying. everything they're watching. So literally, my entire Facebook feed is what episode of Dollhouse Matt Pellet's watching. <laughs> so it says tonight Matt Pellet watched five episodes of Dollhouse. It's Unfriend. Like, yeah. Unfriend. <laughs> That's unacceptable. I'm, that's why I haven't connected it because I don't want everyone to see all the weird stuff I'm watching. Weird, all eh? the smutty stuff. Weird, eh? There's um, uh, a whole section on um, gay and lesbian cinema. And don't worry, this isn't going to an offensive place. But what you see on there is that, because it lists them by the most popular ones, sort of slams the most popular things up on the front page so you can sort of see what people are watching. Sounds like it's skirting dangerously close to an offensive place. No, what I was going to say is because obviously there's films like Chasing Amy, there's also films made by gay directors and stuff mm, who've yeah. made, made films, you know, just about about the lives they lead, you know? Mm. But there's also films that were literally, like, in a cursory way, happened to be about two girls who spend most of the film them just, like, you know, just getting off with one another. <laughs> like, and those tend to rise right to the it's top. Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you can see, like, generally the tastes of people worldwide sort of gravitate towards seeing two girls get off with one yes, another. It's gay and lesbian cinema, but it real leans towards a lesbian cinema. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know why that is. <laughs> it's a mystery. Guys at Netflix are sort of scratching their heads going, right? Yeah, oh, I don't understand it, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so Game Wizard's something Tim's introduced, right? Yeah, Game Wizard was basically, we had, after Skyrim and Amal at Kingdoms of Amal, we had a lot of fancy games in the office, and it became a really irritating habit of various people, including myself, to say lines in a wizard's voice to make fun of Skyrim or Amal. So you'd say, go and fetch me five mushrooms, or whatever, in a kind of fantasy voice. Yeah. And then that morphed into Game Wizard, who was, like, reviews, he's a wizard who reviews mm. games. What happened, that's morphed again, hasn't it? Uh, oh, there's a lot of morphing. No, I think it's currently at Game Wizard, but he only he only rev- he reviews. But the joke was that he reviewed things in the style of like a late late 80s, early 90s games magazine. So it would just be like really old terminology, like playability and addictiveness, addictiveness, yeah. and all things. Like he was like a real obvious time. Graphics. Yeah. Um, I don't know so if he he's got to, great last ability. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's very good last ability. That's it. I don't know if you had to be there for this joke, but in the office, it gives us no end of merriment. Yeah. But Tim Tim says we're talking about launching Game Wizard as like a replacement for Games Master mm. it's a TV show so we can't get Patrick Morrow we'll get Tim to be the Game Wizard yeah we like, might we in might. Zelda 3 collect the arrows and, and, and so on yeah there's actually we were discussing in, in all honesty to try and, trying to do some reviews for CVG in the style of Game Wizard we were going to do Game Wizard reviews but we haven't managed to get the powers that be to sign off it yet so if you're interested in hearing reviews from the Game Wizard and here's the thing what we can count on Xbox World Readers to, to do is go yeah we'll do that yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. If we, any, any idea we put out you guys tend to to back us so if we can get enough weight behind the Game Wizard we'll do it we can definitely I think, we, I think we can happen. probably convince uh, CVG to let it's the Game Wizard it's got the potential to be like a really big meme I think we, we'll call it the Game Wizards and we could all we could all of us will put on Wizards hats and robes and we'll we'll talk about well, them. Who, who knows if, if we ever get our own website we could have Game Wizard reviews on our own website I would like that we'd like that. that if we ever got our own website yeah. who knows big if who knows uh, now and with that, we will try and return to some sort of semblance. Man, we of, are rambling today. Of topics, yeah, yeah. I mean, we are rambling men. We, we went off at a tangent. 
mega tangent. Hmm. So, um, what what have we been playing, Matt? I know you've been playing Mass Effect. Do you do you want to talk Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Try and avoid any spoilers, but just tell us what you. Uh, well, think I'm only it. I'm only like ten hours in. The problem, the reason I'm only ten hours in, I'm actually finding it quite hard to play for long periods of time because I find I don't know. It feels much the same as Mass Effect Two to me, but. I can't deal with all the talking. Everyone's talking to me the whole time. And I'm obsessed, but I have to hear everything they want to say. I like the fiction, but I just don't want to be talked at by my TV for too long. And it's almost like the talking bits. It's too much talking bits this time. And, you know, I'll talk to a character and you have the more information bit coming off it. And you click on it. And if all five spokes are questions, I'm like, oh, no, I've got to talk about all these five things. What I really want to go in there is just... More information. There's one thing. You have to talk about it. Yeah, you have to because otherwise, you, all the law and I must have it. Yeah. I must have the <laughs> you can't law. Say you must have you it. You paid for it. You don't say want you want it. it. Yeah, I paid for it. I want you know. You know, I hear that I'm working towards a really disappointing ending. Oh, so I we... want to enjoy the game while it's not en- yet ended. Le- so. Leave the lid on the can of worms. Yeah, leave yeah. So I, I, there's a lot of talking. I quite like it, the uh, combat though. I think it feels. Um, I don't know if it's just some playing as a different class. I'm an adept, so it's quite mm. biotic heavy. But I think it's got quite a violent kind of uh, push forward sort of mentality to it. I quite yeah, like it does, I'm sort yeah, of yeah. you churning through them, and I like that there's more uh, enemy variety in terms of they seem to have sort of some fun tactics and some fun little quirks which keep the battles fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit bit disappointed to see certain characters that I really liked in two turn out to be really minor bit parts in this. Like literally people I'd like to spend another game with, and then they're just mm. like, "Hey, Shepard." We had great fun on that collector thing that we did because I can't remember it. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, all right, see you then. Um, that's all kind of said. That's another problem with it, actually. It's been so long since I played Mass Effect 2 that I, mm-hmm. ca- I can't remember any of the decisions I made. And people are literally coming up to me like, you bastard. Yeah, and I'm like, what, what did I do? What done? It's like, you know what you did to the Rachni. And I'm like, no, <laughs> tell me. I need like Johnny Exposition to stay there and go, or as I'm walking down corridors, I need people to say, like, there's the guy who who refused to fix the genophage or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, I did. Thanks. Thanks for the... for the Not to spoil the ending, but what I really wanted from the ending <laughs> was... <laughs> well, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. Matt shifts nervously in his chair. What I would love is, and this doesn't happen, unfortunately, but what would be nice and cool is after the end credits, once everything's wrapped up, it gives you literally, like, a rundown. Mm. Every choice you made through all games, no matter how minor... Just like presenting nicely, literally just as a plain text list, all the things they tracked over the course of like three games, mm-hmm. the decisions you made. Just let me scroll through it and go, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember that bit. And any of them, if you highlight it, it will just give you like a little bit of extra description on it. Because, mm. I mean, all you've got to do is write a description yeah. for every possible decision. I think it was probably in a region somewhere like 100 decisions, you know? Mm. And you, it wouldn't be like a massive stretch to bring in a writer for like a week just to pound out mm. like a quick little bit of expository to te- like explanatory text about each moment. Mm. So just in case you forget, so it'd be like you know Mass Effect One. It'd be like yeah, you know you you killed Rex. You'd be like, did I? And you click on it, and it's just like you know you got a choice because it was a choice between doing this thing and this thing mm. with a tiny little bit on some of the things that might have happened if you'd done gone the other way. Mm. So you could just sort of see how. Your, what your impact on the game, on the world was, and how your story mm. played out. It, it, you never, you're not saying they should show you how it would have played out, mm. but it's a very touch touch on like, well, if, if you, you know, Rex would never would have appeared again, and you know, in, in the final battle, you wouldn't have had like this ally maybe. And so it's quite nice in the uh, whoa, 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 in the new a final Nordic. battle. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mike, I said no spoilers. No. What a dick. Curse. Yeah. Curses. It's, it's quite nice in the Normandy where you got that memorial wall. 
Yeah, I like the Memorial War. I think that's it's good. all, you know, an extension. Yeah, I keep, I keep looking. I only lost one person at the Mass Effect at the end of Mass Effect Two, and every time I see his name on that thing, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> it's there. Why? Every time I leave the lift, it's right there in front of me. Like, yeah, yeah, we all remember. There you go, we remember what you did. Yeah, you idiot. Why did... drops with me, starts banging his fist against them. <laughs> yeah, Why? what a mistake! What a mistake to make, as they say. I watched. Um... On Netflix, I watched uh, the most, the fifty most what the what WTF moments in WWF history, right. World Wrestling Federation history, and one of them was when Big Boss Man, uh, the, who was like a bad cop, he right. was like a bad badass cop. He goes to the big the Big Show's dad died, so he goes to the Big Show's dad's funeral, mm. attaches the Big Show's dad's funeral like coffin to the back of a truck, and, <laughs> and drives off through the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> the big show jumps onto the truck and he jumps onto the bonnet of the truck gets knocked over so he grabs hold of the coffin he's being dragged behind the, behind the coffin and it's like clattering around and stuff. <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that. WT, is that the kind of ending you wanted at the end of Mass Effect 3? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The space coffin. It's still about you banging your fist against the memorial. And yeah. it, just made, it just made me think of that. I want to see it at the end of Mass Effect 3, no, at the end of like 80s teen comedies, you know, where it does have the freeze frame. Yeah. Like, it's Animal House or Fast Times, Original High. I can't remember yeah. which one. You know, have that. You want sort of like grunt grew up to be an accountant yeah. or whatever. And oh, that's Animal House, thing. yeah. It's like yes, he went yeah. on to be like, you know, the, the, the sort yeah. of, you know, the. the the president, the, judici- or the judiciary committee. Yeah, exactly. It. You can have yeah. some funny well, like, jokes. Like on the Top Gun credits, where they all sort of, you know, turn to the camera and start smiling and <laughs> yeah. as the soundtrack plays. Hey, can a Predator does that as well, the most awesome yeah, movie yeah, of yeah. all time. They should. Yeah, have, here's sort of the thing: if you look, grinning. if you listen to the internet, that's what people wanted. Mm. That's exactly what people wanted. They wanted to have that. Uh, that after the after the final like moment, they wanted like Liara to turn to the camera and go, "Hey!" And it's just say, uh, "Liara became the uh, accounting director for uh, Asari Enterprises Limited." <laughs> You're like, mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I kind of hope she'd gone to better things. Mm. Like, that's, there you go. That's that was that's the kind of the, the internet streaming. Now, don't worry, because Bioware are on the case. And they're going to they're gonna give you exactly that, and they're going to cram it down your throat until you choke. I just want to see eight hundred Microsoft points. Yeah. I just but, want to see the scene where Shepard's introduced to all the children he's fathered by by, by bedding different women at different points in the games because I've had different different women in each in each game. Oh, you bigamist! Man yeah. alive! Yeah, I know. So, well, I did in the first two. Any? Yeah, I did in the first. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't got to the point in third point part three, but you know, everyone mm. wants to have sex with Shepard in the third one. You should have. To, you should have a Reaper love interest. I want to have a baby mm. with Chobot. Oh. So, moving on from that dark place, Mike, what have you been playing? I'm playing Halo Reach. Yeah, yeah that's I've weird, seen, isn't it? you playing that, yeah. Yeah. You played Halo Wars as well. I reviewed, yeah, I did play Halo Wars. Um, part in, and just, just because we're doing, I'm just on a big uh, Halo feature for our next issue, which you guys will like, I think. It's hot. And you'll appreciate it. I think it's quite good. Um, it's, one, it's one of those lore heavy kind of features that I kind of sort of wanted to refresh my memory. Like, why do I like Halo again? Well,. I played it and I uh, played the two Halo games I like least, which is Reach and Wars. Wars still ain't a very good game. It really ain't a very good game. I, and it's such a bad game, in fact, that I actually led in bed uh, just this weekend and redesigned the whole game in my head. Now, I'm not saying I'm a game designer or something, but if, if they, instead of making Age of Empires with Halo, Halo characters, had just made Dawn of War 2 with Halo characters, it would have been a good game. Mm-hmm. And it would have worked just fine on the controller, and it would have been a great. I would have had a lot of fun with it. But I've got to say, the cutscenes in Halo Wars are badass. Blur, uh, the, the studio which made the cutscenes, basically they make 
incredibly good CGI stuff. If ever you're going to make a Halo movie, I say skip Hollywood altogether and just make a badass animated movie courtesy of Blur. Those guys do the best cutscenes in the business. I think I think they did the uh, Mass Effect cutscenes as well. Mm. Mm. Um, so playing Halo Reach, I kind of rediscovered online gaming. Uh, I don't like my weapon of choice online is Battlefield Three, um, and Bad Company occasionally, and still to this day a little bit of COD Four because COD Four is badass. People still play it. Uh, but I decided to play some Reach, not competitive because um, I don't really rate Reach's competitive multiplayer. I don't really rate Reach's campaign either, except in co-op where it becomes amazing. Mm. It becomes so good in co-op, you realise that when Bungie made that game, they had no intention of anyone ever playing it on their own. I don't think it's ever even play-tested with any, by anyone on their own. It's so, it's so good with four players and so absolutely average with just one. Mm. All of those play spaces make sense. When you're just one guy on your own, you just feel so overwhelmed because everything can come at you from all directions. Mm. But when you've got a group, all of a sudden you've got the space to move, you can flank, flank them, you can take up like firing positions, you've got a sniper up high, you've got two guys sweeping over to the left or you move over to the right, and you're really sort of like playing the space against the AI mm. instead of just being a victim of the AI in a massive space that's loaded against you. It's a really, really good game. And I found... A lot of really good ways to piss people off as well, and I like that because the, one of the best things about playing online is griefing people in like a harmless way. There's no point in being like that guy who's going around murdering people. But when you get into a game where someone's obviously intent on being a dick, it's there's there's lots of creative ways you can find to be a super dick back, and I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. That's been a, that's been something I've got a, I've got a, a real kick out of. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Reach is a, a great game. It's a badass game. Like and a couple of weeks ago, someone said to me on like Facebook, "Oh yeah, like Reach kind of sucks." I'd be like, "Yeah, it doesn't suck, but it's not. It's not to my taste, certainly." Nah, Reach is badass. Reach right. is Reach is. A, I've been having some serious fun with that game. Um, it's a little bit slow, a little bit, uh, a little bit bleak. I think. Um, I'm looking and three four three. I've said those, those two things. Like they said, like it's a little bit. The combat's a little bit slow. We want to go back to more of the speed of the earlier mm. games. I think uh, 343 are saying all of the right things because they, they dislike the same things about Reach that most people dislike. And they like the things about Reach that I actually think are quite good. Cool. I don't really have anything in depth to say about Reach. Uh, I was going to give some examples of the things I do to torture people, but it just make, it just make me sound like a massive dick. So I'm not going to. Although last night I did find it. Where if, you got, if, you're on, if you're flying in the helicopter uh, and you fire a grenade at the at a right angle at the wall nearby. You can actually bounce grenades back into the helicopter. So if you if you really want to like put stick it to someone, you can you'll take your own life, but it will take theirs as well. You don't want to do that too much because you actually get kicked off the game. Uh, but to me, that's like the the ultimate form of expression of griefing expression in a shooter is to take your own life and take them down with you because it shows total dedication. It reminds me of a time we played uh, COD 4, we played the hardcore servers, and some guy was like, sprayed, machine gun everyone right at the spawn because you can team kill on hardcore. Mm. Machine gun everyone at the spawn was like, ah, and bailed out. <laughs> we were like, oh, you dick. So we followed him into his next game because thanks to the Xbox, mm. you press the friends list and you can actually call it recent players. Yeah, you can just click join, join yeah. player. So we followed him to the next game and started team killing him. And we've chased him across every game of COD he played for about 20 minutes. He bailed out, went to play Halo 3 instead. So we've chased him into Halo 3. <laughs> 
again, Chase just hassled him. I'm not sure if team killing was on, so we just kept on getting standing in front of him. Every time he tried to take a shot at anything, we were there, like, hey, 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 and all up in a row. That's the one thing I'd like in Reach, actually, a chance to wave and stuff, like do gestures, because nothing would be funnier than getting in someone's way and waving. Hello. And then eventually logged off. You ruined games. So we're like, we're like the Xbox Live Police, right? The Xbox Live Punishers. Yeah. Me and my buddy. My Xbox Live Vigilantes. What have you been playing? SSX. Oh, God. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Mm. I like it. I get it. I get I it. I understand it. I get it. I, um, when I first started playing it, I was playing through like the the story. And first, I, I, saw, I was playing my way through and I thought, yeah, it's okay. It's nice and colourful. It's, uh, it's fun to play. It's all right. I, you know, I'm doing okay here. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until I'd actually sort of finished with all that Deadly Descent crap and uh, started using the Rider Net and doing the Explore mode. And, and there, there was a point when I was doing one of the Explore modes when I was, I was sort of tricking it down the mountain. I just figured out how it worked. Sounds like you're a prostitute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, you just sort of, it, it clicks suddenly. You just, you know, you, you chain together a massive trick and you think, oh, shit, that's how I do it. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, when you were sort of collecting crappy bronze rewards like, 20 credits for being one millionth in the world at such and such trick course to going you know going up through silver gold platinum and then up to diamond like which are the online rankings and you get money according to to what rank you are you know it, it all just sort of clicks into place and i found that i went from sort of chancing it down the mountain to tricking all the way down runs mm. and not being satisfied when i got to the bottom because i thought i could have tricked more so, like, you know, even even if you don't break your combo at all, but you get down to the bottom, mm. and you look at your score and think, well, I could have got better than that. You know, there are more things I could have done. And you know, when it, when it, when you get to that sort of level, you know, that's that's when you just feel it's clicked. I mean, I was playing SSX a lot. Let's face it, I stopped playing the minute Mass Effect came in. <laughs> but Matt's already talked about Mass Effect, and I finished it. And you know what happens at the end, Matt? Obviously, yeah. No, you don't. No. Um, so yeah, I, I I enjoyed SSX the time I spent with it, but now I'm done with it and I'm back on Mass Effect. I'm actually back on Mass Effect Two. I went back to Why? Mass Effect Two because my Femshep playthrough was only half finished. So I'm going back to Mass Effect Two. Mm, okay. Drag, I'm drag the my uh, slightly more feminine way. Drag my uh, my Femship's renegade ass through the uh, suicide mission and get lady. her into Mass Effect Three. She is a mean lady. The um, I couldn't, you know, I, I haven't played it for about two years, and I went back to it. And the point where I'd left it, it was about two minutes away from where you punched the reporter. Oh, sweet! And it was I found it really funny. Just walk up, walked up to her, and because I was playing Renegade, she sort of said, "All right, I'm going to ask you a question now." And she she got about three words, and she said, "So, Commander Shepard," and I knocked her out because <laughs> the little prompt came up, <laughs> and I said, "Oh, I'm tired of your baseless allegations," and she hadn't, she barely said anything. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to taking her out in three as well. Just, I'm just building to that. Just Decker. Oh, yeah. Fucking journalists. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Right, last part of the podcast is going to be your reader questions. You've submitted loads, and we have got some great ones to choose from. Mike, do you want to to pick a good one out to kick us off with? Josh Tarpe says, salad cream or mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. Yeah, we're not not poor. Mayonnaise, of course. On everything, on chips, like the Belgians. I like on chips as well. Yeah, it chips? is good on chips. Yeah, yeah it is good. They, they take the piss out of that in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. That was what made me try it, and it turned out it's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. I'd never, because like, I know it's a European thing, but it was not a British thing, definitely. Like, mm. Brits tend not to. 
Nah, mayonnaise on chips is yeah. better than ketchup. Yeah. Do you know the uh, the Belgians fry their uh, chips in things like horse fat? Do Makes they? them really crispy, yeah. That's the secret. That is the secret, yeah. Horse fat? Yep. From horses? No, from geese. <laughs> yeah, of course from horses. <laughs> I thought it might just be a name for something in the same way that, like... Your cat gut. Cat gut isn't cat. Yeah, cats, but yeah. yeah. No, horse fat. It's actually from horses? Yeah. Oh, those barbaric goals. Yeah, but they make They'll some great anything, chips. They? they make some great yeah, chips. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's, well, that's our question. It's taken me aback a little somewhere. <laughs> Is it? I see someone using goose fat or something. Remember that? Horse fat? I mean, it's a mm. horse. It's a... Gigi, isn't it? It's beast. I got a, a quite a good one, but it's going to take a bit of thinking about it from Go no on. keys. Like, you have to rack your brains for a second. Right. So what's, the, what's your ideal game that could never be made? Oh, see, that's a... That's a that's a tough ideal one. Ideal game that could never be made. Yeah. Well, what, what what game exceeds the boundaries? Of what is capable is possible to make? I think a lot of people at this point would say, like you know, a fully like open world game, but it's like torn from the real world. So it's basically like a simu- like it's like a whole world, but you know, you're like a racing game where you're you say, racing. say that the thing that they couldn't do now, or you just couldn't do. Maybe you just couldn't do because it says never be made. So just something you could never. I don't. Do. I, mean, I guess what I'd want like is something where. There is fundamentally like a per- they'd have to be a person employed at the other end to make my game world respond to my actions, like a yeah. scriptwriter writing it as I played it. Oh, okay. something you know, or Your some- better than mine. Someone who was someone you know. I mean, cause there's that weird there's that weird game on PC, isn't there, where you have the two people playing. It's like a point and click adventure, and one person writes it for the other person after yeah. each move. Yeah, mm-hmm. experimental game, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would have to be so like something like that. So literally, a kind of a, an LA noir where or something, you know, for example. But someone is writing it live, real time, as I did the mystery. That'd be good. But actors voicing the parts. Yeah, exactly. You, that, um, you could do it. I know that, it'd be a, it that's would in be a book. Ridiculous. That's in. Um, uh, it's not. It's the guy who. God, if I, sorry, I'm good. It's going to go down completely. But there's a book where. Um, I'll find out in a way in a minute. It's a book where that's exactly what the, the very wealthiest kids essentially sort of have this book. Mm. Where the book is like more like a video game than a book. You open mm. it up and all the pages are interactive, and the storybook reads itself to you. And the, the very wealthiest people will pay actors to read the parts to you. Mm. And it's always there with, with for you through, like throughout your entire life. It'll be like to guide you through certain mm. things, like when they need like a certain moment to be when you like you like book. You know what's the what's you know. Uh, what, where do babies come from? Like uh, a, mm. do- a doctor will be at the other end, going, "Well, well, Jessica, let me tell you about where babies come." Or like you know, you're like in life, you're like, "I'm just depressed. I'm so book. I'm depressed." And like the book will be like, "I have a psychologist talking mm. to you." So it's like it's always there to voice <laughs> you through your life. It's um, yeah, that's yeah. What I'd want mine's actually really really simple. I want to be able to, I want to be able to do the Cannonball Run, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I want to be able to go. I want to do a coast to coast race across the United States from New York to San Francisco. Not like the run because that game sucks. I want to do it. I want every city along the way to be absolutely mapped realistically. I want to have to map my way across this. It have to be real time, not real time. What do you mean? It wouldn't be done in real time. What do you mean by done in real time? As in the time it would take to drive. Yes, across. I want it to be done in real time. Right. Okay. I want it to take me like three or four days to <laughs> go across. Me. I mean, obviously, we have to pause and set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you set you like check into hotels and shit along the way or something like that. You know. Uh, I would like to. I would. I'd like to have like the hundreds of the thousands of miles of roads across the whole mm. nation. Dad, I'd like to be able to pick my route across the country. So maybe I take the northern route, maybe I take the southern route. It is impossible. You couldn't build that entire thing. Although someone did build Hawaii, so you know maybe. Because <laughs> well. Hawaii was in um, mm. Test Drive yeah, Unlimited. Yeah. What would you play, Andy? If you could have an ideal game, I reckon something like like a detective game, but in a complete city that didn't give you any clues about how to do it. 
Just a, you, so just a proper, just, just, you just basically want a policeman sim. Yeah. Just, and just honest like, to God. But, but you'd have to, you know, just, just to make it so it wasn't absolutely impossible and didn't sort of spiral out of control, you'd have to sort of set it in a period setting. So it's like, say, say Victorian London when you are the person tracking down Jack the Ripper. No clues at all. You just have to go out there and do it. Like find speak into clues. people, like find actual clues, like think of, think authentically of the, think of the replicated hundreds of thousands houses. of hours of voice acting you would need and stuff. It'd be great. Can never be made. Can never be made. Exactly. The book, by the way, is um, uh, the Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. I completely forgot the name of it, but it just came to me. It's uh, the Diamond Age. In an ideal world, I'd like Mass Effect Three with a better ending. Uh, yeah, the game troll, was... lol, 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 <laughs> as they say. I'm only joking. I haven't got to the end of it yet. Yeah. You, you consider. Considering you're a man who doesn't want any spoilers, I about know. It, I keep you bringing are, it up. I just it's just poking it's the, the chat, bear, isn't it? It's all anyone's talking about online. And I feel like I should be weighing into this discussion, but I can't. Get it finished. Oh, I just can't. Two hours at a time. I'll play two hours this weekend. See where how far I get. Another two hours in. <laughs> <laughs> Mike JD asks, "What's happening with the sort of proposed mag changes that were put forward a few months ago?" Uh, we want more humour and tells from Xbox World Office back, as I recall, but nothing's really sort of changed so far. So demanding, mm. Mike JD. Well, he's very demanding. I want more jokes. I'm Mike JD. Where are my jokes? I mean, he's had his. Let's face it, he's had his fair share of jokes in this podcast. Yeah, like, exactly. great jokes, winning jokes. Yeah. We've done at least three jokes this podcast. The game wizard. Yeah, Game, yeah. I, a joke, that was more of a uh, that was more of an anecdote about a joke that we had in the office. And I told a story about about a coffin being dragged along, but that's not really a joke. It just sort of happened on yeah. TV in like 1999. Maybe my, maybe Mike JD's got a point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do need more jokes. Yes, but we can say changes are coming, right? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, they are. They <laughs> are. I mean, um, honestly, right? We're recording this podcast the day after deadline. Uh, it's, it's Thursday now. Yeah. Record it. We we finished the last deadline yesterday. It nearly killed us. Um, <laughs> and we'd look. We we des- we're desperate to put these changes back in. Uh, just making the mag almost kills us every month. So you got to understand. Like, we, you know, and we, we, we're, we're doing we're doing things, but we're they are being the done slowly as well. We're we're, yeah. just, we're short one man. Uh, our prod ed is um is uh, he's actually gone to work on another magazine in the building. Yeah. He's um. It's a promotion for him, so it's really great news. But it means we're down a man. We're about to be down another man, one of our yeah, guys. Man, yeah. So the thing, when you, when you change something in a magazine, I know that you look at the pages and they seem like mega simple and stuff, mm. but if you look at, like for example, our letters page, every box on there is sort of hand-placed by someone. And it's, it's kind of the same every month, which means what you can do is you can, you can slot the text in, slot the, uh, update the bar charts and so on, and all of that takes it's a good couple of hours of artwork, just updating bar mm. charts and so on and putting in screenshots and so on. But generally speaking, you can say that's a page we're kind of safe with, which means it's only a couple of hours at the schedule. Bear in mind, we've got to produce 130 pages of this. Yeah. So for those few pages, you feel like, okay, it's, you've got 20 days in a month to produce 130 pages. Well, that, that couple of pages is only going to take a few hours. Mm. The second you say, okay, we really want to get some, maybe we want to put the Adventures in Xbox World back, which probably mm. won't come back, but we might be bringing back the mag quotes and so on, if it yeah, maybe. Yeah. And you say, okay, we want to get those faces back on the page. Now, all of a sudden, you've made the art guys... You've added, like, another two hours to the art guys' time. And everything else starts being bumped along one. And this month, we shipped our magazine literally with 15 minutes to go. If it had gone 15 minutes after when we shipped it, we would have been charged by our printers a bunch of cash. And a lot a lot of cash per hour. A mind-boggling amount. Let, let, me put the, let me put it this way. For every hour, it'd be more money than most you could pay in a month. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah, it's terrifying. It's a ridiculous. So we we have taken on board what you want. Uh, we have 
trying to put a bit more humour into stuff like the captions and the straps and things like that. Uh, that's that's sort of the first phase of it. We are we are going to change the upgrade section slightly to put something different in there, and we yeah, are going to put the joke section. <laughs> yeah, we have a jokes page. <laughs> we are going to put uh, some of the quotes of the month on the letters page. That requires redesigning the little graph things. Generally speaking, I think a lot, I mean, there's still a lot of humour in the mag, but generally, mm. what the, the, I think the core features of the magazine tend to take a slightly more sort of analytical look at stuff, mm. and a slightly more serious look. And as a result, you kind of, the opportunities to for, for big laughs in those yeah. sections are kind of small. So apologies, like, if you would like, you know, a sort of a bit more humour. What we would say is we definitely dig that there's space for more personality. That's that's where respect, like just just those those old personality driven sections, like mm. the quotes and so on. And we get we know the personality is still there, and the features still there, and the interviews are still there, and the news is still there, and the reviews. But there's fewer sections where it's literally just us doing our thing. Mm. Yeah, that's what we do in Nintendo Gamer. Yeah, Nintendo Gamer is heavy on <laughs> that stuff, indulgent. and Xbox was quite light on it. And you know, having sort of seen both and worked on both, there's definitely like a. A place sort of a middle ground which we might be sort of gen- maybe g- gently moving towards and if if the opportunity presents itself and as we say it's kind of just finding time in the schedule if we had added mm. that one job to art guy's plates this month there wouldn't be a mag coming out in, in the next couple of weeks you know that's that's the kind of how close how finally we cut it when we're down a man there are other changes actually on the horizon yeah then um, the changes which, are which may allow for more personality as well and more chance for reader interaction correct yeah yes uh we're not looking at well you know what can't, can't we can't say, say anything, anything can it. we no, no. but we're not uh it's, it's definitely gonna the mags the mags definitely gonna be the mag you recognize though yeah it's, it's we're not, not we're not redesigning it's not like like what happened last september mm. like time it's gonna but it's gonna be um it's exciting. Yeah. So a willy answer. Um, <laughs> but more immediately, we're redesigning the Facebook group to be a timeline because we have to. Yeah, Facebook's timelines are changing on the yes. 30th, so we have to change with them. We, as, as we speak, our art team are working on a nice little banner to go at the top. If any of you have seen the new timeline profiles, um, we're working up, working up something nice for that. I've been previewing it for about a month now, the, the timeline page. Rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, it's different. Like it actually is. Like every time in Facebook updates, everyone always goes, "Oh, it sucks," and then you get to the used to it, and it turns out it's better. There's, there's some but timeline is actually not better. Some stuff we can do is better. You can draw attention to to things that you want to draw attention to better. But yeah, on the whole, it's not as user friendly as the old one. But unfortunately, our hands are tied. But we will make it look as nice as possible. I think it's quite good for like uh, us, like businesses, like which is essentially, mm. essentially what we are, even though we don't act like it. Business. It's like it's good for us because it lets us put a big corporate like, masthead at the top, yeah. and it lets us. And we can we can highlight stuff like when we upload the podcast, we and can when your mag comes out, and, stick and it so on, and, 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 that, and that works like, yeah. great. But it's less good for like the uh, single user, I think, unless they're planning on a sort of big celebrity or something. It's like I, it just means all of the or updates kind of. It means. If anything, your page takes more management. You know, you have to mm. spend more time on Facebook. And who wants oh, to we've that? got loads of free time, so I'm sure that'll oh, be fine. Oh, I mean, bags of free time. <laughs> um, simple one. Is Xbox 360 the best console ever released, in your opinion, in terms of hardware capabilities and the amount of good games? <laughs> Go on, Nintendo boy. Uh, well, <laughs> oh. listen, I, you know, 
I am a I'm a Nintendo fanboy. So am I. You know, I, I you know, I, I fundamentally I've I've written hey, for anyone, Nintendo. Anyone anyone who plays <laughs> games who isn't a Nintendo fanboy isn't a gamer. But I'm, the thing the thing is the mad thing is I'm still a Nintendo fanboy even after the Wii and the DS. I don't know why I don't I feel like I should apologize for either of those consoles. I love them. I love them both dearly. Um I t- I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I, I've liked all the machines I've had. They've all given me absolutely brilliant gaming at that time in my life. You know, they've all had. Mm-hmm. So, I've, you know, I've got favourite games on all of them. Uh, I, I don't go back to any of my old consoles and play my old favourite games. So, you know, I'd probably just say my machine at the moment. But to, to put it another way, would you say like games have never been better than they are right now? Um, yeah, but I'd have said that at any point in my life. Again, I would. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would I would too. But then to follow that on, would you say the Xbox is the best console available at the moment? Uh. Because if it were, then that would kind of, sort of, maybe make it the best console ever. I don't know, like, I... Oh, Mike, you already put me in the corner. I know. So I just... Uh, you know, the thing is the thing. Right now, you've got three consoles. Two of them do something very similar, and one of them does something completely different. Mm. And I was going through my Wii games just the other day. I was having sort of a clear out, and I realised I couldn't bring myself to get rid of any of them. Wii's, mm. There's too many good games on Wii. I've still got GameCube games. I like not just like ancient games, but games I regularly play, like F Zero GX. Mm. Like there's too many. Go- I've still got Dreamcast games that I look at every now and again and go, "Is it really worth hooking, getting, <laughs> hooking up the Dreamcast to play them?" And you think, "God, I really like yeah. it." And then I was moments away from doing exactly that, and then Sega announced exactly the game I was thinking of playing yeah. for a live arcade, Jet Set, mm. Jet, Set, Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't. I really can't choose. No. Sorry, it's a bit of a weak answer. I just can't. Just can't do it. Still, I like. I like. I like. I like them a lot. I've still got my copy of Jet Set Radio Future from the Xbox. Good still game. got it. Yeah, great game. Three sixty, the best console ever. I think it's the best console of this generation. Mm. I think. I don't. I don't think it does media stuff as well as the PS3, but that doesn't make it a console. No. In terms of games, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll say it, yeah. That was Tom Pollard, by Best the way. Best console. Thank you, Tom. Best console ever. Um, we got uh, Bill Borum said, uh, seeing as though Mike and Andy are big Hitman fans, what's your favourite missions? Or mission, and why? In all of the Hitman games, what's your favourite mission? Man. I like it's some, it's I, something I, I'll, I'll do mine while you're thinking. Mine's uh, the, the opera mission in Blood Money. Oh, I love the opera mission. Yeah, the opera mission's great. I like I like that you can take the place of the guy on stage, or you can swap the gun and let someone else kill him for you. That is a or you can genius. go and just let, drop the the, the sort of, drop the chandelier yeah. on the, the chandelier. You can drop the chandelier on the other guy. You can drop the rigging on the guy on stage. Yeah. There's so many ways to get the guy on stage. There's fewer ways to get the guy who's in the stands, but even him, like once if you don't really care about collateral damage, you can. Wait till he runs all the way to the stage and just drop the rigging on him. You can take out a sniper bullet, you know. Just, you know, a true professional doesn't use bullets. For me, then, the suburban level in Blood Money. Oh. So many good things in that. Like the one of one of the pinnacles of the series is when you uh, when you watch that uh, FBI agent who's supposed to be protect, protecting uh, Vinnie Sinestro, who's your target. He uh, he goes up to the daughter's bedroom. Oh yeah. Sniffs her pants. Yeah. So what you can do is you can go in and put chloroform on her pants 
And then when he comes up and sniffs it, he knocks himself out. <laughs> How good is that? And you can rig the barbecue so his wife sets herself on fire. You just really jumps feel in like... the pool, and you can take the microfilm out of her necklace. Yeah. You How good really, is that? You just really feel like everyone in that game is living their own life. Yeah. Yeah, like one guy's a little bit of a pervert, and one and like you know his wife is just is just this drunk. Yeah, it's this horrible. She staggers just around. Just staggering, yeah. horrible drunk. And if you come up to her with the clown, she'll be she'll be like, mm, I need a good laugh. Why don't you come with me? And she'll take you to the bathroom to like mm. just do some business. Uh, and if she'll do also if you're a pool boy, mm. she'll also do it if you're like one of their other characters. Like she'll literally like she'll just jump in the sack with anyone. <laughs> like everyone's got their own little life going on. Mm. It just feels. It's just great. You can po- you can uh, poison the donuts and give them to the FBI guys in the van. You tranquilize the dog as well. You tranquilize the dog. You can kill the clown and put him in a garbage truck. Yeah. yeah. Although you probably you could have to you take a lot of dragging to, to get him there because you don't want to do I that. I did that once. That's because I hated the clown. That's bold. That's yeah. bold. But yeah, because you can just put him in his own truck if you want. You can just t- take the costume and just stuff it him doesn't, in. It doesn't mince him up into a bin bag. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's uh, blood money's awesome. It's brilliant. Jim Key. Asks, and this is something that we can actually use to tie into the next issue. I'm going to hand this one over to Andy. Jim Key, has okay. anyone had any hands on with Max Payne 3? How is it looking? Ooh, ooh, me. I have. But you're not going to say anything about it because. Because it's our next cover feature. Yeah. As promised. Uh, yeah, I have played a lot of Max Payne uh, single player and multiplayer. Multiplayer, not shit. Um, I know, I know. there's a quote for the box yeah yeah I know, I, know, I know that sounds like I'm underselling the issue I, I probably am it, multiplayer is very good now a lot of people would probably have thought oh, I don't like multiplayer in Max Payne it's a single player game honestly it's very good I've played a lot of it um, no details it's in the next issue uh, you're going to have to check that out Max Payne a, a lot of people have sort of said yeah it looks a bit like a 7 out of 10 game uh, it's better than that it is better than that. It is very stylish and very Rockstar. I mean, Rockstar don't release many stinkers. Yeah. I haven't played it, so... Mm. Yeah, uh, neither of you. I look forward it. to reading that cover feature. Yeah, with the <laughs> multiplayer not quite shit in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a 7 I out of 10. I can't wait for more searing, analysis, more searing analysis. No, <laughs> <laughs> no you, you know what it's like. I, I, I've got to keep it vague because, well, I, I may possibly be under NDA. I yeah. don't know. A so um, little laser sight dancing on your also, forehead. Right yeah. now. If you buy the magazine, we can we can keep making these podcasts. Yeah, Rockstar do have the fiercest lawyers as well. Do not mess. Do not mess with them. But yeah, it's which ne- is next which issue. is which means right now they're probably hard at work yeah. because every newspaper this morning reported on the tax breaks for the UK games industry, tax, yeah. tax credits for UK games industry. What that means is UK games industry can claim a certain amount of tax back. It's actually great for our business. Um, it's something, we should say, like without getting too political, it's something the Labour government tried to do a couple of years ago. It was blocked by the uh, then opposition Tory government, and now, the, now this swung the other way, the, 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 mm. the Tories have done it anyway. Hey, you know what? However it worked out, it it's, it's, a, it's, it. it's a good thing for mm. the games industry. It gives it pre- basically, if it happened earlier, maybe we wouldn't have lost BlackRock. Mm. You know, maybe we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have lost uh, like THQ Warrington and all the other studios. Bizarre. Bizarre. All the yeah. other studios which went down in the meantime. It's, look look at what it's done for Canada. Canada have been doing it for years. They're the Hollywood and of the games industry. Yeah, they've, they've got the biggest developers now. Just a few months ago, we interviewed Sefton Hill. We asked him, Do you, does the UK need tax breaks? He goes, yes. My God, yes. We could have been the biggest. We could have been 
the, the global centre of game making. Sefton's partying now. Uh, yeah, Hard. absolutely, and he should be. I mean, he's only he's a part owner of the, one of the biggest UK studios. Hey, look, look at what Rocksteady did with no tax breaks. Yeah. Look at Arkham City. Imagine what their next Batman game is going to be like can, with they, tax breaks, where they can afford to pay like even better people. You to know, come work I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure those tax breaks will ever be like they don't ever translate to anything you see in games. But what it does mean, it means those publishers are safe, and if they want to take a little bit of risk and expand, bring in a couple of extra guys to do a couple of different things, they might have the extra cash in their budget to do it now. I don't know. You, you get a lot of UK development talent that says, you know what. Staying in the UK. Well, what you're going to get is because most of a lot of them go over to Canada. All they? of a sudden, it's a safe place for a for Microsoft to set up their latest studio. Yeah. All of a sudden, instead of setting up in Redmond, they go, "Let's set up a UK studio." There's tons of talent there, and by the way, we get the same sort of same kinds of tax breaks we would get if we were in Montreal. Well, you know, Phil Harrison, who we were talking about earlier, he's championed UK studios like yeah. Media Molecule. Yeah. You know, Microsoft only have three UK studios. They have Rare, yeah. they have Lionhead, and they have uh, Soho. So who are the guys who made uh, the Sesame Street game? So, um, but you know they got Rare and they got Lionhead. Uh, they've also we're also working with a third party developer to make the new Forza game, Forza what Horizon, Playground games. Microsoft own Ruffian. Doesn't they don't own Ruffian. They yeah. have backed Ruffian, and Ruffian are working on stuff for Microsoft right now. They're doing mm. the port of Minecraft. Yeah. They're also working with, as I say, um, Playground games on the new mm. Forza. Mm. Make no mistake. If Microsoft are ever in the business to buy a, a studio, like now's the time. Like mm. now, the UK studios are suddenly looking like they might be a good buy, and maybe they do. And maybe Forza Horizon is a huge success, and they decide they want to bring them into the, under the under their wing. But you know, they never did with Bizarre, so maybe they don't. Microsoft like keeping their studios at arm's length. They never bought Remedy. Yeah. They could have bought Remedy. You know, they never they never they did. They never bought Bungie. Never bought. Well, they did buy Bungie, and they sold Bungie back. They bought. Well, they they buy brought Bungie. controlling stake in Bungie anyway. Yeah. They never. They never owned. They never never owned a wholesale. But I think they, they yeah, yeah, controlling yeah. stake. Um, that kind of addresses the question which uh, which Jamie Jones was asking about the, the games industry. But it kind of this what's funny is the way the UK the, the UK's press have t- spun it this morning. They're talking about like you know it's a granny tax and it's true. It's like older people do kind of get the shaft and wealthier people do kind of get a break. But you know who knows? Maybe we actually do end up getting more tax back in the end. Mm. I, I don't know. I've read up on that part of it. What I have read up on is the, the widespread condemnation. condemnation of the tax credits for the games industry, which is what the tabloids have been dishing up this morning, you know, basically and painting essentially the whole UK games industry as being Grand Theft Auto. All games are like Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. so it's essentially tax breaks for the makers of extraordinary violence for children. That's <clears> the way it's been painted in the press today. Mm-hmm. Ta- tax breaks for the uh, the fastest growing entertainment industry in the world. That seems kind of smart from it to me. Yeah, it seems seems quite sensible. I don't know how to the me. finance isn't a particularly sort of sexy thing to talk about, you know, in in newspapers. You know, the, the cuts come from no, boring you, places, so you put a nice, a big thing people can understand, and you go Grand Theft Auto. But remember like, that mm, yeah. it's for the animation and games industry. Mm. So Ardman yeah. and Bristol are getting a huge break, but you're not seeing Wallace and Gromit on the front page of the paper. The papers mm. people like Wallace and Gromit. Mm. But your yeah. average tabloid reader is, is suspicious of Call of Duty, especially a couple of days after the Sun ran a story entitled uh, "Terrorists Use Call of Duty oh, to yeah. Plan Terror Attacks." Mm. You're like, well, well you know, they, really? they, you've you've made games the, the big demon already, mm. and now like the government's giving money essentially to yeah, this yeah. demon. Yeah, but everybody loves Wallace and Gromit. No one's going to complain about Wallace and Gromit, so they haven't spun it that way. Mm. What about that bit when Feathers McGraw holds them up with a gun, chicken right? terrorizing children? And that's um, that's the uh, it's the penguin, penguin. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I was yeah. thinking of that. He's dressed as a chicken. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, I don't know. I like I can I could imagine 
and given the way filth. Grand Theft Auto has been painted today. I mean, nothing is quite as absurd as the old Grand Theft, the Raul Moat special edition of Grand oh, Theft Auto no. story, which came a few years ago, and uh, the son got absolutely had their, had their faces kicked off by Rockstar's lawyers over. But, but it's, it's definitely it's a good thing. Tax breaks for the UK industry, really good thing. Good thing for us. Remember, remember always remember it's like when people say, you know, like why is it a good thing? Why is it a good thing to give money to essentially rich companies, which is what we are doing? Like Rockstar, they've got a lot of money. Mm. You know, Rare, they've got a lot of money. Like, why is it a good thing to give more money to those companies? Because otherwise, those companies will go abroad. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, your next game studio that Microsoft open up, they'll open up in. Eastern Europe, yeah. they'll open up in Canada, they'll open up anywhere but Britain. Now there's a good chance they'll open up here instead. Yeah. And that means more people get jobs, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what Ubisoft did. I mean, they're the kings of opening studios in places where they get tax breaks or cheap labour, relatively cheap labour. Yeah. Not, not Like their games aren't made in sweatshops. Shanghai, Eastern yeah. Europe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, good thing. Uh, one more? We can do one more. Yeah, do one uh, more. Have you seen a Prometheus trailer? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Someone said, uh, what do you make of the Prometheus trailer? Uh, oh, I thought it looked great. Yeah. It looked like proper proper sci-fi again. Spaceships, big moody landscapes. Yeah, that looked This pretty, was uh, Tom Rushton was saying, what do you make of like this, this sort of the movies this year, The Hobbit, Taken 2, Dark Knight Rises? Take, can't conclude Taken 2 with The Hobbit, Prometheus and The Dark Knight Rises. Taken 2, Taken 2 is like E-list in terms of, in terms of cinema. That's ridiculous. That's an idiot list. That guy's a fool. What's his name? <laughs> this is uh, Tom Rushton. Tom Rushton. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's outrageous to put that in. Unless he's being heavily ironic. I don't know. Do you think he is? I don't know. But he's not buying our magnets, man. Yeah, you've just called him a fool. Well, he is a fool. You should buy Total Film instead. Get him. No, that's, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get himself some. Uh, get himself some, some some film knowledge. Taken two. That's preposterous. But so the, like the, the other games on it, the other movies yeah. on it. Yeah, I like the, yeah, the other list of movies. So <laughs> otherwise, Tom, pretty strong list. Yeah. Severely undermined by Taken 2. So, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> on, on that um, reader-shedding bombshell. <laughs> so, we'll, uh, sorry, Tom. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring this podcast to a close. Uh, just a quick note to say the new issue is out on the 3rd of April. Uh, it's Max, Maxi Payne cover. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to be around for the podcast that goes up that week. No. Because I'm somewhere else. Yes. I'll be doing my, my best mic impersonation, though. Just talking, just literally talking a lot and taking massive long pauses where I hold my finger up in here so no one interrupts. We'll have to get a, a special guest star on that, possibly Tim Weaver shaped, but we will see. Um, pick, yeah, pick up the new mag, 3rd of April. Uh, Mike, do you want to say that you never say it, you all say it, but it's the best issue we've ever done? It really is. I think it's the best issue we've ever done. I oh, think, great. I think oh, <laughs> I do. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, no, I, I, I definitely it's, I it's, uh, I haven't read it yet. Uh, well, I, the, when, the, the thing is, when I've made an issue on my own, as I always do, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of sit there and then for like three or four days, it's like a hangover. You sit there going, oh, I'm never doing it. I'm never drinking that much again. I'm never doing that again. And then when the actual issue comes back, you start looking and you go, it's like when you go for a party, you come, you come back the next day, you're like, oh, I'm dying and I'm never going to drink again as long as I live. And someone puts the photos up on Facebook three days later and you're like, oh, I did have a I good a time. Yeah, I love parties. I had a great time. And someone says, do you want to come out for a delicious beer? And you go, yeah, yeah I love a delicious I beer. Love, I love parties. Parties are brilliant. Well, um, I'm still in hangover mode. Uh, when the Xbox World comes in, I'll come back to give it my ring endorsement. <laughs> 
It's uh, it's it's definitely a, it's definitely I've, a great I've, issue. I've seen it all on the little. It's a really lore-heavy issue. It's a real it, real looking at some of the biggest franchises in games. It's just one, really getting stuck into one the lore. of the most dense issues we've done. It's full of content. You'll you'll see you'll see the work in there. You'll probably see, you know, virtual tears and blood. Yeah. In that issue, honestly, it's it's it is so dense. It's yes, unbelievable. It's a good one, man. It's a good one. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at Xbox World Mag and look for us on Facebook. And until the next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Goodbye.